Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And they're really quite safe with the ability of the gifts God's given them. Recorded live. And they charge into this world, having a positive effect, an eternal result on this earth. See, they're not here by accident, and neither are you. They're here for a purpose. You're going to go through many different seasons of life. Don't just do it thinking you're getting through it. Do it with purpose and destiny. Stir up the gifts. You are making waves everywhere you go for God. You have an assignment. God needs you. Your life matters. Invite Jesus into every area of your life. Invite him into your boat, so to speak. You see, the first time that Jesus met Simon Peter before he changed his name, he had never met him before. Simon Peter didn't know Jesus. Jesus came walking out because the crowds were following him. And Jesus needed to push back a little bit from the crowd. He saw Simon Peter and his crew over there washing nets because they'd been fishing. Their boats were on the edge of the water, and Jesus said, I need to get in your boat, Simon Peter. He said, you need to push me out a little way. And Simon Peter let him in his boat, and he pushed him out. And Jesus said, I need to get in that boat because, see, what I need to do is continue the work that I am doing. He was preaching to the people, but he needed a little bit of break. So he needed to get in Simon Peter's boat so he could finish the work. Now, Simon Peter's boat, you know what it represented? It represented his office. It was his vocation. It was his livelihood. He could have said, no, wait a minute, man, that's in the boat. Can't get in the boat, that's only for fishing. You know, it's real interesting. The day that Simon Peter led him in his boat, that job that he had, that fishing job, it became more than a job. It became a calling. When he allowed him in his boat so that Jesus could do the work, that job wasn't just a job. It became a calling for Peter's life. It became a destiny and a passion. He realized no matter if I'm fishing or if I'm, or if I'm with Jesus, I'm going to do the work of God. You see, he was a fisherman, but that calling changed him into a fisher of men. God wants in your boat. He wants in your soul. He wants in the middle of changing diapers. He wants in the middle of your family. He wants to keep doing work. But guess what? He's got to get in your boat to finish it up. You know, I, I love my mother. She's here today. Happy Mother's Day. I love my Dodie. She's here today. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I'm watching my mother. She's, she's, she's had a business in Houston for the last 40 years. And I've watched her take that business, that jewelry business, and turn it into a pulpit. No, she wasn't called to a ministry behind a pulpit. But you know what she's done? She's let Jesus come in her boat. She's always been the type of person who wanted to help people, who loved people, who would always be an encourager. And I watch her from that business encourage people, invite them to church, fuel their faith. See, she let Jesus in her boat. 
And I was thinking about this the other day. She's been in business a long time in this city, and she's seen the economy go up. She's seen the economy go down. And God's been good to her. He sustained her business. He sustained it. And I believe it's because he said, I still need your vote. I still need your vote, and I know it forgives your vote. God will keep you afloat. He will tell you when you let Jesus in your boat, he'll keep you afloat. He'll keep you afloat. What an example to have a mother who loves people, who wants to encourage people to bring Jesus into her boat. I feel a little like Timothy. I'm blessed that way. But you know what the greatest compliment to my mother and every mother in here could be? And me, her daughter, would find my own faith. Would learn from the example, but find my own faith. Mix it with the gift God's given me and launch out in my boat so I can let Jesus get in with me. Today, do you want to give your mom the best gift there is? Find your faith. Thank her for the example. But let her know, Mom, because of your example, hey, I'm finding my faith. I'm stirring up my gifts. And I'm watching out for you. Amen? Amen. He's an awesome God. I've seen how the good God is ever and ever through all this time. Jesus, the author of us, has tried to be I am a victor. I am a, not a victor. 
In other words, what's playing in your mind? I can do all things through Christ. I've been armed with strength for this battle. I am well able. I've learned you can talk yourself into defeat or you can talk yourself into victory. Yes, we all have negative things happen, but I ask you every week, don't have a victim mentality. Have a victor mentality. God is still on the throne. Nothing that's happening to you is a surprise to God. He has you in the palm of his hand. God wouldn't have allowed the difficulty. I may not understand it, but he wouldn't have allowed it if he didn't somehow know how to use it for your good. He's in control of your life, and I've learned when you live in a place of peace, a place of faith, a place of trust, that's what allows God to do amazing things in your life. See, there's always things trying to, you know, trying to take our joy, trying to discourage us, trying to get us to live worried and upset. The scripture says the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you don't have joy, if you don't stir yourself up, then you're not going to have the strength to fight the good fight of faith. I encourage you. You know, joy doesn't come on you automatically. Sometimes we think, joy, when it all turns around, then I'll be joyful. Now, you have to, you got it backwards. you got to say, God, I'm going to put a smile on my face. I'm going to have a song of praise. Even though I don't see anything happening, that gives you the strength. That gives you the power to make it through those difficult times. And like I pray, 2017 is going to be a year of yes in your life. God is going to open some new doors. He has that commanded blessing because you obey his word. So we're believers and not doubters. We'll take a moment to pray today. If there's anything that's heavy on your heart, maybe there's something you would like for us to pray with you about, we'd love to do it. There'll be a prayer partner at the front of your section during this next song. Anyone's welcome to come down for prayer. Up top, there's people to pray for you. The rest of you, you're welcome to be seated if you'd like. We're going to take a moment to pray. Those of you watching online, listening live on SiriusXM, we're going to be praying for you as well. And thanks for being with us today. Precious is my Savior's The beauty of heaven and my shame The image of love upon that Thank <laughs> you. 
want to thank you for your support of our ministry this month. Joel and Victoria would like to send you Joel's new exclusive mini book collection, Gifts from God. What gifts do you need today? God offers you the gift of joy, the gift of peace, the gift of favor. When you learn to receive these gifts, you'll overcome obstacles and live the victorious life that belongs to you. God has already lined up everything you need to fulfill your destiny. With this resource, you'll be encouraged as you discover the gifts God has for you. Request the exclusive Gifts of God mini book collection, plus a special digital download message today at joelosteen.com or call 800-565-0772. In all the years of listening to Joel, the message of joy has really impacted my life. We talked about how things happen that are not ideal, things that we don't plan for, but joy is found in us because Jesus is in us. I'm really grateful that I have access to the program to encourage and motivate me every week. Thanks so much for partnering with our ministry. Your prayers, your support, your generosity is changing lives around the world. A special thank you to our Champion of Hope partners for all you do to make the ministry possible. Victoria and I pray for you and your family every day. We're believing for God's best, that you'll overcome obstacles, accomplish dreams, that God will take you where you never even dreamed. Till we meet again next week, know that you're blessed, you're prosperous, you're redeemed, you're a child of the Most High God. Tune in tomorrow morning for another broadcast of Wake Up to Hope with Joel and Victoria, right here, only on TBS. Everything starts with a thought. Your attitudes, words, actions, even the quality of your life. Yet too many of us choose thoughts that drain out of power. Joyce Meyer and TBM want to help you change the way you think. The best thing to do when you're thinking something wrong is not try to just empty your head and think nothing, but to replace that wrong thought with the right thought. In appreciation for your gift support for the worldwide outreaches of TBM, we want to send you a copy of Power Thoughts, a remarkable teaching on audio highlighting 12 biblically-based power thoughts that will change your life. When you share a gift of $90 or more, we'll also send you the brand-new Battlefield of the Mind Study Bible with commentary from Joyce Meyer throughout. This feature-rich Bible will help you win the battle in your mind, free you from fear, and give you more confidence. Finally, in gratitude for your generous gift of $140 or more, we'll send you the complete Power Thoughts bundle, including Joyce's best-selling hardback book, Power Thoughts. TBN is broadcasting Jesus and his love for mankind to lost and hurting people. Our world needs Jesus, and your support of this ever-expanding global ministry ensures that one by one, each and every person will be touched and transformed by the message of hope and grace. Call 800-201-5200 or go securely online to tbn.org slash giving to choose your level of support and receive your copy of Joyce Meyer's 4-CD set, Power Thoughts, or the CDs and the Battlefield of the Mind Study Bible, or the complete bundle featuring the Power Thoughts book, call or go online to make your best gift. Renew your mind and shine the light of Jesus. Restoring the Shack is now on TBN. If you missed any episodes, you caught up by watching them on TBN.org. Come there, watch 
exclusive tips for cleaning the gospel of grace on TBS. You're watching TBN, celebrating 44 years of God's miracles. The following paid program is sponsored by the friends and partners of Joseph Prince Ministries. Today with Joseph Prince. Zechariah This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel the governor. Shout grace, grace to your mountain, and your mountain will become a place. So whatever the mountain is, mountain of affliction, mountain of sickness or disease, shout grace, grace to it, and it will become a flame. Do you have a challenge today? Is there something that has beset you and caused you concern, even fear, whatever it is, the Bible says, not by might, not by power, all the intellect of men and all the smarts of men cannot remove that problem that can be removed only by God's grace. Dear friends, thank you for taking the time to tune in to today's very special broadcast. I consider it a great honor to have the opportunity to share God's amazing grace with you today. As you listen to this message, I believe that you experience freedom, joy, and great shalom peace. My friend, Jesus loves you very much, and he knows what you are going through right now. So get ready to hear a word that I believe will transform your life. God bless you. God wants you to raise. Praise God. Let's all shout. Praise, praise. Shout again. Praise, praise. Amen. This is what Prophet Zechariah told Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, when the remnant came back from captivity. They had to rebuild the temple of God, and the enemies came and discouraged them. The Bible tells us many years passed, and the temple was still not built. Zechariah said, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, the governor. Shout grace, grace to your mountain, and your mountain will become a plain. Amen? So whatever the mountain is, mountain of affliction, mountain of sickness or disease, shout grace, grace to it, and it will become a plain. Once again, shout grace, grace to your problem. Do you have a challenge today? Is there something? I'm going to do... Put my title in a moment. I want you to holler at them. When you give up my title, I don't want you to whisper it, mumble it, suggest it. I want you to command it, okay? Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. But God told me to tell you, handle it. Talk to your other neighbors. Say, neighbor, other neighbor, you were my second choice. Don't be offended, but just know that God wanted me to tell you. Amen. Clap your hands. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Don't we have fun together? Don't we have a good time? Amen. Look at this because 
if you can have a flashback with me from when Tom Hanks was on that island alone and he uh, he had to make friends with a volleyball. Now, those of you who are participating in this portion of the sermon are old. I know only five of y'all would remember this reference, but in the movie Castaway, where Tom Hanks had been alone so long that his only companion was a volleyball, and he called the volleyball what? And they did a good job with that movie that that they bonded you enough with the volleyball that you remember it as a character. You know, you can become so attached to something inanimate that it becomes lifelike to you. (laughs) It's today, right? I remember when I first asked Chris Brown, I was like, I think I should get an iPhone. I don't know. I don't think I would. I don't think I would use it very much. <laughs> right? I just didn't know what it was capable of. Moses has a staff in his hand in Exodus chapter four, and by the time God gets through showing Moses what that staff can do, Moses. I wonder. I wonder if he got so attached to the staff that he ever gave it a name. Do you think? Do you think he called it? What do you think he called it? I think he called it Rod. Even I feel a uh, uh, connection to my microphone, this particular microphone. When I go preach other places and they give me another mic, it takes me like five minutes to get it right in my hands because this one, I, I mean, I know this microphone. I'm not a handler. <laughs> and I like having this microphone. I can control certain things about it, so I like the handheld microphone. I really like it when I, when I want to preach. When I want to preach like I'm draped, I can grab it up here. It's not the professional way to hold it. My sound guys hate that when I do that, but they put a special thing on it because they know I do it so it doesn't make all this feedback. But anyway, it's my mic. It is, see, you can tell I have a close relationship because I gave it a name. I call it Mike. That's how close we are. Okay, stop now. But that's chapter four. Moses, he's, he's getting acquainted with his staff. He's, he's getting to know God, and he's getting to know God all in the same scene. And I like it because, um, well, I know something Moses doesn't know about what that thing is capable of. And when I'm watching Moses deal with this staff that will become in many ways so much of a part of his life that I wonder did he feel like it was a part of him, um, I know know what this staff is going to do at the Red Sea. I know that when the Egyptians are chasing Moses and the Hebrew people two and a half million strong out of Egypt that uh, that Moses is going to stretch that staff over that sea and the right side of the sea is going to tell the left side of the sea. I'll see you in a little while. we got to split up for a minute. I'll meet you back when the Egyptians hit the water because we're going to drown them, but we've got to part for God's people. How many know that God will direct the elements on your behalf when you're walking in faith? I found that to be true in my life, but but that was the that was the staff that Moses stretched. That was the sea he stretched it over. He doesn't know this yet. We do, so I'm really interested because I feel like 
I feel like I know this fact because I see it so many different times in the scripture. I saw it one time when Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go, and God told Moses, you know, take your staff and, uh, and stretch it out and strike the Nile River, the river in Egypt, and when you strike that river, it's going to turn from water to blood, and well, that will compel Pharaoh to give a second thought to keep you enslaved. And, and he did that, and the water turned to blood. That staff, it's the same staff. It's in chapter 4. It's the same staff in chapter 7. When he does, he strikes them out, turns to blood. Then he strikes the bloody Nile, and then some fogs start coming out of the Nile and cover the land of Egypt. And it was that same staff where he struck the Nile, same staff that turned into a snake in chapter 4, same staff in chapter 7. He struck the Nile, turned to blood, struck the Nile again, fogs came out. Then he struck the ground, he struck the dust, and then the uh, gnats came out of the dust. And so all this is happening with Moses in this staff. He doesn't know the staff is capable of all this. We do. And so I'm intrigued to know how did it start. And I'm intrigued to know that it started with a staff. I'm intrigued by that. It started with something as simple as a staff. Because that same staff, when the people of God were thirsty one time and were complaining about it, God told Moses, I hate when my people complain, but I still love them enough to make sure they don't die. Aren't you grateful for God's patience with you? Well, he took the staff and he struck a rock with it and the water flowed out of the rock and the staff had this power that Moses couldn't have known that he had, the potential that he couldn't have known that it had, and, but he, when he used it in the, the right way, it did something that was cool. And water came out of the rock and they all drank from the water in the rock, that staff. And so, um, so I'm going to learn everything I can about this staff. I almost feel like it's a person to me. Because I saw Moses fight against the Amalekites. Well, he didn't fight against them. Joshua fought against them. And Moses had a job. He had to raise the staff. And while Moses was raising the staff, and Aaron and Herb got under his arms because he got tired holding it up. And when they supported him and he raised the staff, the Israelites were victorious on the battlefield. Often it's the support system that you don't see that produces the results that you're most concerned with. So while he's doing it and his hands are up, the Israelites win. His hands drop. They start losing. But it was the staff in his hands. It was the staff in his hands. Tell somebody next to you there's a staff in your hands. And what's cool about it is that there are many lessons that, that we can learn, and we don't even have to be Moses to bring people out of, out of 430 years of slavery to learn them. We can just learn them for our everyday lives. And the first thing that I think the staff is saying to us in this message today is that everything you need is within reach. I heard a motivational speaker say that once. It rang true with me. But everything you need is within reach. Moses, in response to God's call, and I feel the Spirit of God on me today to preach this message, by the way, so you ought to be excited about what you're going to receive. He continues the conversation with God after God shows him who he is with the phrase that I, I preached a whole series around one time, and the phrase is, what if? Verse 1, Moses answered, what if? Do you know how many dreams have died beneath the weight of that phrase, what if? What if is a, it's a phrase that I like to refer to as fear's greatest hit. What if? What if? I mean, how many things in your life did you not do because what if? And how many things in your life did you do that you shouldn't have done because what if? How many nights could you have slept but what if kept you awake? 
how many mornings did you wake up anxious because what if was your alarm clock? What if? Not just what if. Moses wants to know. What if, pay attention to the next word, what if they? What if they? I'll say the third time because I won't come on the screen. And I think third time is going to be the charm. What is in verse 1? What if they? What if the scripture doesn't come up and I keep preaching anyway? But it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. What if? And it's where many of us wonder and wander our whole lives. What if they? What if they laugh at me? What if they don't? Except me. On one hand, Moses is in a hypothetical situation because he hasn't even done anything yet, but he's just playing out the possible after effects of his obedience. What if they? But on the other hand, it's not hypothetical at all. It's historical because Moses is afraid of the same rejection that he experienced 40 years earlier, recurring force 40 years earlier that Moses had killed an Egyptian in defense of his people, and because he did the right thing the wrong way, he ended up on the run. And there's something about when you've tried to do the right thing and put your heart in something, but you did it the wrong way that you don't even want to try again. And so now Moses is asking something that's hypothetical, but it's based out of what is historical, and he's projecting his past into his potential, and it's his limiting factor, but God wants him to know that that's staff in your hand. Now, to us, a staff is a shepherding instrument, and Moses was using it to tend his father-in-law's sheep. But to Moses, the staff represented a whole lot more than his vocation. It represented his mistakes. Because if he had never killed the Egyptian and ended up a fugitive on the run from Egypt where he was brought into or adopted into royalty, he never would have had the staff in his hand. So when God tells him what's in your hand, it causes Moses to have to reckon with the mistakes that he's made that have landed him in the position that he's in. Because when God speaks to you about your potential, he will cause you to confront your past. Let somebody say, handle it. So he says, what's that in your hand? And to Moses is a staff, but to Moses is also his past. And to Moses is also his instrument or thing that he has to do what he's doing. And so there's a whole lot happening in this staff. And yet God says, what you have is what you need. And God wanted to say that to a single mom today, that what you have is what you need. That he put enough in you to raise that child. He foresaw that you would be in the situation. And he compensated for what others didn't give you by putting a resolve and a discrimination in you, that's more than enough. And everything you need is within reach. So leave your list of what you don't have alone today. What is that in your hand? The wisdom that you need is probably in a book that's on your shelf that you haven't read. I was talking to a guy who pastored a church one time that was bigger than mine. I said, I need some advice. And he said, I gave you a book. I said, you mean that book three years ago? He said, yeah, that book three years ago. Did you read it? I said, no, I didn't get around to it. He said, I knew that you were going to be at this place because I've been there, so I gave you what I knew you would need. You missed it. 
He said, he said, call me back when you read the book. At least read a couple chapters and we'll talk. What are we even going to talk about? You know, sometimes when you pray and ask God to download information about a decision, God, how should I handle it? He's like, did you even read the book? That I mean, never was in a time where the information that is in the Word of God has been more accessible to us. My God, they'll send you alarms. They'll break it down for you. They'll give you a Bible reading in a year plan, Bible reading in the book of Psalms plan, Bible reading in, 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 in southern dialect. Plan to give you a Bible, read Bible, how to read the Bible with your dog in 32 days every morning on your walk with your dog, an audio Bible, a Bible in Braille. So somebody say, grab it. Grab it, grab it. You gotta grab it. You gotta go. Joy is there. You gotta grab it. Wisdom is there. You gotta grab it. It's there. The information that you need for the transformation of your life is waiting to be seized by those who will open their eyes to what they've been given. Am I preaching okay? So everything that you need is in your reach. It was something that he had already in his hand that produced what he needed to move forward into the future and to accomplish God's purpose in the earth. I'm moved by that because I get caught up in what I don't have. I know you don't. I didn't say you did. I said I do. get caught up in what I don't have. Here's, Here's the thing the Word is teaching me. It's less about what you have, and it's more about how you handle what you have. I'll prove it to you. If you have Netflix, go on Netflix, put it on, um, I think they have this on Netflix, 30 for 30. It's a documentary series from ESPN. Put Put it on Broke. Put it on the one called Broke. It will show you athletes that made millions of dollars, and by the time their careers were over, they were in debt. Because it's not what you, it's how you, what you have. Say it again. Call with me. It's not what you, it's how you, what you have. That's true with money. I've met rich people who are further behind than poor people. I've met poor people who are greedier than rich people. It's not what you have. It's how you handle what you have. That's what God wants to know. How are you handling it? It's not the woman you marry. It's how you handle the woman that you marry that determines whether you get the marriage that you want. Now, the selection process is important, you can cook better with good ingredients. <laughs> I'm saying that somebody might be able to take your same ingredients and make something delicious. Because <laughs> it's not what you have, it's how you, what you, that determines what you do. I found out that teenagers think they're busy. They do. They tell you, I'm busy. I do it. Oh God, I'm busy. You're busy, and they're 12 now. They're 13 years old, 
And I follow up with a question. Do you have a baby? Because if you don't have a baby, you don't know Fifi. Preach with me. I want all you 50, 13 year olds. You're so busy. I want you to find a 25 year old uh, woman in the lobby, one that's got a little car seat that she's trying to carry on the way out the door from church, and walk up to her and tell her how busy you are, and watch her look back at you and think about the next five minutes to show you that it's not how much stress you have, it's how you handle the stress that you have that determines. I'm saying you can do a lot more if you handle this differently. You can accomplish a lot more if you handle this differently. It's all in how you handle it. It's all in how you handle it. It's usually not the things that you think are stressing you out that are stressing you out. It's the things you are mishandling in other areas of your life that make you hate your job. Or it's the things you are mishandling in your job that make you hate your life at home. So now you come home and you take out your frustration from there on them because you didn't handle it here. Now it's showing up over there. Don't your neighbors say handle it? You've got to learn to handle it, whether it's weight in a weight room or whether it's light. See, because you keep asking God to take some of the weight off of your life. But faith doesn't take the weight off of my life. It shows me how to handle it. How many of you have a situation in your life today and you want God to show you how to handle it? Just wave your hand if that's you. Come on, just wave your hand if that's you. Well, see, God is God is good and God is strong. God is great and God is good. And so God told Moses, I heard my people crying out and their cry reached me and I've come down to rescue them. That's what he told Moses in Exodus chapter 3. He said, I've seen my people in cruel oppression. I saw how Pharaoh was treating them. I see what you're going through. I see what it's like. I see that you're trying. And God said, I came, I came down, and I'm going to handle it. I'm going to handle this. I'm going to handle it now. Before you get really excited about it, God has his own way of handling things. So you'll be like asking God to send all the people away so they can get some food, and he'll tell you to steal a little boy's lunch and bring it to him. That's how he handles it. You'll be looking at Jericho, and you'll see some big walls, and you'll be like, God, we need to knock these down. Will you handle it? And God won't give you a wrecking ball. He'll give you a trumpet. Because God has his own way of handling it. You tell him, I don't have anything to pay my debts off of, and he'll tell you, what do you have in your house? And you'll say, a little bit of oil, and he'll tell you to go to your neighbors and borrow jars, and you'll say, no, that's the problem. I'm in debt. I don't need to borrow anything else. And he'll say, but go to these people and borrow it in the right way, and when you borrow it in the right way, now you're going to get something that you didn't have. Because God has a strange way of handling things. You'll be praying that he would send the Messiah, and you'll be thinking that Thor is going to come down out of the sky and save the world. And God will show up and speak to a virgin girl and say that I know that even though you haven't acted with a man yet, your husband's going to want to divorce you. What's in you is conceived of the Holy Spirit, and it's going to come forth, and it's going to be the salvation of the world, but it's going to start in a manger because God's going to handle it 
in a strange way. I'm speaking for somebody. You're in a situation right now, and God is handling it, and you don't even know it. Because he's handling it in a cradle. And if the cradle isn't enough proof, he proves it on the cross when he defeats death with the very instrument that symbolizes its most violent nature. He doesn't defeat death with a tank. He doesn't defeat death with a sword. He defeats death with a cross because God has a strange way of handling your situation. I want to ask you a question. It's an important one, so I want you to really consider it. What's stopping you from moving forward in the ways that God has called you to move forward? And how can you find that next step of faith to take? Sometimes we just feel stuck. Sometimes we just need a push. Well, I've got a push for you today. So many times we overcomplicate it. We think, well, I have to do this and get that together. If I was really going to grow in my faith and be what God has called me to be, and then we make a list of my law. Right. If all God wanted from you today was one next step. Hmm. When all you had to do was respond in faith, and God would do the rest. I believe that's absolutely true. And if you feel stuck, we have a great resource for you that will show you a practical and understandable way to live your faith on a daily basis. All right, so I want I want you to get this. Functional Faith. It's a seven-part series on faith that works. Right. This is a practical plan for being effective in your daily walk with Christ, and I want to share it with you today. Yeah, and the best part about this resource is it's more than sermons. We're still receiving testimonies of how through this series, God is changing hearts and releasing people to a simple but effective life of faith. You know, we can get all of the biblical knowledge in the world. But faith is not about a formula. Right. What we need is to take action with the knowledge we already have. To take a step. And when you take a step of faith, God will meet you there. I want you to take a step today. Request a series, functional faith. Get full of the Word of God. Get inspired to action. Get ready for what God has next in your life. I want you to call right now. Don't put it off. If you sit around and think about it and maybe I'll do it later. i got some things to do. No, no, that's the old you. Right now is your time to take action. Request this functional faith series today. It's a seven-part teaching. It's so much more than a teaching, though. It's a practical guide to get your faith in shape and see all that God has put in your heart come to pass. We're going to send it to you with your gift of any amount to the ministry. Call now. Go online. We can't wait to get this resource to you. And here's some more details. You need a faith that works in the real world and in the midst of your specific challenges. It's time to live in a way that brings spiritual practices into your day-to-day. We would like to equip you with functional faith, a comprehensive seven-part teaching series that Pastor Stephen Furtick shared in his own church. Through this series, you can learn how to experience faith in a new and tangible way. Faith doesn't take the weight off of my life. It shows me how to handle it. My faith is not hostage to the outcome. My, my faith is an outlook. And to help you fully integrate these practical lessons, you'll also receive reminder bracelets to wear and share that illustrate Pastor Furtick's process for reframing life situations and more. To receive your copy of Functional Faith with your gift of any amount to this ministry, or go online to stephenfurtick.com now. I'm not talking about your 
yourself, your boyfriend or girlfriend, so chill out. I'm not asking you to break up with somebody today. I'm talking about breaking up with comfortable Christianity. If you've missed the first season of Cafe Theology, we've got you covered. Some practical tools and insights into God's Word. How does the church handle loving issues that are dividing Christians local communities we are to reach and come each other? And stay tuned for season two coming soon. So we invite you to grab a cup of coffee as we explore God's Word together on Cafe Theology. Uh, the Hillsong Channel is actually listening to our opportunity to take television around the world. We're excited that the team that's with us and this is growing. By team, I mean you. And I would love you to become part of a subscription where we will send you a team box. In other words, every month you will get all sorts of books, resources, information that will help you to feel like you're part of our team and will help us to take this great message forward. Introducing the Hillsong Team Box, an exclusive monthly subscription that delivers everything Hillsong directly to your door. Here's how it works. Each month, we'll send you the Hillsong Team Box full of exclusive resources at 50% off, free shipping in the U.S., and no hidden fees. A combination of worship, books, t-shirts, apparel, devotionals, and more. Join a group of people across the globe who are bringing the hope of Jesus to humanity. Visit hillsong.com forward slash team to join today. So 
obviously, in our band, it's the drummer. Most bands, it is the drummer. It's not the guitar player. That's the sound right there. That's the tempo. And so we had that in our ears. You couldn't hear it out here, but we could hear it in here, and it helped us stay in rhythm with the rest of the band. Well, I got so excited in that gig. People were watching, and they were cheering, on boy, on boy. That was the name of our band. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got really excited. I ripped the in-ears out of my ears. But I was like, I can do this without the in-ears. And so I start singing and playing, and I start getting excited. And I am going so fast, way ahead of the rest of the band. Finally, I stop hearing the drums behind me. I stop hearing the guitars and pianos. And I realize I'm playing all by myself, and people are just kind of watching. Like, this is awkward and embarrassing for the lead singer. And I turn around, and the whole band is just looking at me. They're like, really, Paul? Really? You're going to pull the in-ears out? Try to do this on your own tempo? And the drummer literally said in front of everyone, he's like, uh-uh. We're starting the song over again. you got to put the in-ears in so we can stay on tempo. you got to listen to me. I'm setting the tempo, Paul, not you. And I was like, this was like a control battle in front of everybody. I was like, all right, fine, I submit. I submit to the drummer's tempo. And, and praise God, it was embarrassing, but we got through the song. It was a lot better. And I think about how in our lives, God has a tempo. And oftentimes as Christians, we may not say it, but what we do is we root out the in-ears and we think, I can do this on my own. I don't need to follow God's timing on when I should get married. I'm going to rush through this slow, single process because I'm tired of sitting around waiting on God's tempo. Am I stepping on some toes this morning? I don't need to wait on God's tempo to get this promotion. I can shove this door open. I can force this thing on my own. I don't have to wait for God to get me connected and get me into this opportunity relationship. I'm going to make it happen in my own timing. And what happens is we take out the in-ears of listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to God's timing, and we get ahead of God. And any time you get ahead of God, it's always embarrassing, right? Because you have to live with the consequences and praise God for grace, but there's consequences when we try to do things in our own tempo, our own timing. And I want to tell you today, God has a set time for everything that you're believing for. He has a set time, singles, for you to get married. He has a set time, uh, married people, for you to have children. He has a set time for you to have that third child. He has a set time for you to get that promotion where you work. He has a set time for your healing. He has a set time for that restoration in your family. He has a set time for your son to come back to church. But see, God's timing is always better than our timing. His tempo is always better than our tempo. And my question for you this morning is, who is setting your tempo? What is setting your tempo? Is it guilt or is it grace? Is it paranoia or is it prayer? Is it the pressures of people or the prince of peace? Is it condemnation or is it courage? Is it greed or is it generosity? Because when God sets your tempo, it's going to be God-glorifying. Whatever is driving your pace, it's going to glorify God. It's not going to be living with fear. It's going to be moving with faith. I want you to turn with me real quick to Psalms 102, verse 13. Psalm 102, verse 13. And this is what God said. He says, you will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time. Everybody say set time. The set time has come. Now, time in the Greek has two different words. Chronos, which means quantitative time, minutes, hours, days, and then kairos. Kairos is a set time. It's an opportune divine moment on your life. God has divine 
moments that have already been written on the calendar for your life before you were even born. I think about October 17, 2009. God had put that date on the calendar of my life when I would marry the love of my life, Ashley O'Doherty. God has set dates, set appointed times for you. All throughout the scriptures, this is a scriptural thing that God appoints times for people. But he has set appointed times for kings. I think about how David had heard from God. And always God decrees a thing before he does a thing. God will always speak a thing before it happens. And God spoke to David, you're going to be the king of Israel. Well, it wasn't until 15 plus years later that David actually stepped into the role of the king of Israel. And God is putting dreams in your heart. He's put ideas in your mind. He's putting visions inside you and even desires, goals, wanting to get married, wanting to have children. And sometimes we can try to rush the process. We can try to set our own tempo, our own pace. Like, God, I'd rather speed through the season. This is going kind of slow. Can we accelerate the tempo? And God's saying, trust my tempo. The title of the message today is very simple. Trust God's tempo. Let's say that together. Trust God's tempo. You will live a lot less of a complicated life if you will just trust God's tempo. You will have a lot less regret and misery if you'll just trust God's tempo. He has the right tempo for the season that you're in right now. What if we could pull back the curtain and know the date that God has set for the dream that he's put in your heart? What if you knew that February 10th at 3.39 p.m. you were going to meet the love of your life? I'm talking to the singles, not the married people. Married people who love your life is already in your life. Singles, you wouldn't get discouraged if you knew the big day was coming. You'd get excited. You'd start working out, go tanning. You'd go buy some new clothes. You'd be like, yeah, the big day's coming, baby. February 10th, 339 p.m. You'd get excited. But see, here's where faith kicks in. Listen to this. Don't miss this. Faith kicks in in the fact that God tells us in his word there are set times, appointed times, but he doesn't tell us when they're going to happen. In fact, even right now, many people are, are feeling that Jesus could return any moment. And I don't know about you, but I feel that too. But did you know the Word of God says, nobody knows the day or the hour. Nobody knows the minute. Nobody knows the week it's going to happen. We can sit around and guess all day. Not even Jesus himself until the faith comes in, trusting God's tempo. God has the perfect timing for your marriage. He's got the perfect timing. If, if you knew the day and the hour and the, and the moment, it wouldn't require faith. And that's where God calls us to trust his tempo, to trust that he knows what he's doing. And so how do we trust God's tempo? I think Hebrews chapter 6 tells us the answer for it. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 says this, that don't become sluggish in your waiting, but instead imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Through faith and patience, they inherited the promises of God. In other words, you're not the first person who's had to wait a long time for your destiny to be fulfilled. You're not the first person to have to wait a long time to get married. You're not the first person to have to wait and go through some tough times before you have that baby. You're not the first one. And God says, hold on, look back in the history of God's Word and imitate those like Hannah, and like Samuel, and like David, and like 
Esther and like Joshua and Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, imitate those who through faith and patience trusted God's tempo for the dreams and the miracles that God would bring into their life. I'm telling you, God has a bigger plan. And Jesus showed up four days later after Lazarus was dead. And he said, okay, now it's time. And the sister said, you should have been here days ago. You were supposed to raise our brother from the dead. And Jesus began to cry. He said, let's, let's bring him out. And in fact, Jesus said, do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? I want to ask you today, do you believe that God can do what he said he would do? Do you believe that God can still heal you? Do you believe that God can still restore your marriage? Do you believe that God can still bring your son back to church? Do you believe you can still get that promotion? Do you believe you can still get that scholarship to ORU? Do you believe, I know you didn't get it in the time you wanted to, but what if it's because God has a bigger one? <laughs> Can you ever feel like there is more in store for you than what you're doing right now? Or have you ever wondered why the gifts and talents you possess were put inside you? There's good news. God created you without limitations. You were not born to stay where you are. You were born with possibilities. You were born to rise above. You were born for more. In Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More, you will discover how to break the limits of your environment, define how God views success, and multiply the gifts and talents that are inside you. Born for More will give you the practical tools you need and the confidence to know that God's purpose for your life is greater than you could ever imagine. No matter what your past holds, you can be sure that God's purpose and promises guarantee that you were born for more. Discover your limitless life with Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Born for More. Give your free copy today, and I'll give to you by calling 1-800-760-2360 or visit us online at paulgoherty.org. God has a breakthrough coming for you, but you've got to wait on his timing. You can try to force it to happen. I think about how Abraham and Sarah in the Bible, God had promised, we're going to, God had said to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. And through this son, you're going to be the father of nations. You're going to have children that outnumber the stars in the sky. And Abraham was excited and yet a little bit anxious because here Abraham was being older. He was almost 100 years old. The dream hadn't happened yet. Sarah was 90 years old. The dream hadn't come to pass yet. And here they were thinking about the promise God had given them. And they were like, okay, God, time's running out. Like, you know, we're not living 900 years anymore. Like, now we're only living 100 and a few years after that. And so they were waiting for God's timing. And Sarah, instead of staying in God's tempo, she hatched a plan, right? Sarah kind of took things in her own hands. She said, okay, Abraham, God's promised us a baby. And I think maybe what God wants us to do is kind of force this thing to happen, to push this door open on our own. And she said, Abraham, I need you to sleep with my maidservant, Hagar. And Abraham was like, I'm a team player. Let's do this. <laughs> Glory to God. So Abraham slept with Sarah's maid. And, and what happened? They birthed the baby, and the name of the baby was Ishmael. And you know, the problem was they always had tension with Ishmael. There was always struggle. There was no grace on that because they had done something outside of God's tempo. But here's the good news. God, in his amazing mercy, forgives us of doing things in our own timing and still bless Abraham and Sarah within Isaac. And here's what happened is with Isaac, God, what God births, he gives you the grace for you to take care of. 
When God gives you what God promises you and does it in his timing, he gives you the power and the provision for you to handle it and take care of it. If God moves you into a promotion in his timing, he's going to give you the grace to handle that position. But if you try to do it in your own timing, there won't be grace there. You'll be doing it in your own strength. And there was constant tension between Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael. But the day came where Isaac came around. And here's the point of the story I want to tell you. You can try to get ahead of God, and you can keep burdening Ishmael's, but you're going to keep having problems and keep losing sleep and feeling frustrated and feeling all this tension. Or you can wait with faith and patience for your Isaac and know that when Isaac comes, there's grace to handle it. Let's talk about faith for a moment. Faith is trusting God, believing that God is good. I think that right there is a tough thing because what you believe about God determines really how you're going to live your spiritual life. If you think God is not going to uh, come true to his promises, that he's not a promise keeper, it's going to cause you to live worried and anxious and trying to speed up the process. But if you'll rest, Hebrews chapter 4 says it like this. It says, those who believe in God enter into his rest. Hebrews 4 verse 3 says, only those who believe God will enter into his rest. In other words, when you have faith that God's going to do what he said he would do, you're not anxious, you're not worried, you're able to sit there and rest. My God is faithful. It's going to happen in his timing. It won't happen when I need it. When I want it, it'll happen when God wants it to happen. God will move me into that position when it's God's time. People might ask you, when is it going to happen? When are you going to be promoted? When are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? He will never felt those pressures before. And sometimes we live under the pressures of people instead of being led by the Prince of Peace. People are saying, I wish you would just get married. I wish you would just have children. I wish you would just start your business. And I wish you would do that promotion. And you get anxious because people are pressuring you. And instead of going to prayer, you get into paranoia. When you wait patiently with faith, just trusting my God is good, He's going to restore what the devil's tried to steal in my marriage. My God is faithful. I'm not going to push this. I'm not going to force this. I'm not going to manipulate this. I'm not going to try to control this and shut the door open on my own. I'm trusting God. The best way to trust God is right here on your knees. The devil can't knock a man down if he's on his knees. Pray, trusting in God through faith and patience. I think about the story of Lazarus in John 11 when Lazarus had died and his sisters, Mary and Martha, called to Jesus. They sent word to Jesus, come and heal. Come and resurrect your friend Lazarus. He's dead. And Jesus said, it's not time yet. Not time. He's dead. When is it going to be time? Jesus said, hold on. Because there's something bigger at stake here. And sometimes God delays a miracle because he wants his power to be seen even greater than it would be at the time that you want the miracle to happen. You're waiting to get healed right now, but what if God has your healing planned for October 15, 2017? Because what if God's plan is to show his glory through your healing to your family who right now is not ready to see the healing happen? They're not sure what would happen. I'm telling you, God has a bigger plan. And Jesus showed up four days later after Lazarus was dead. And he said, okay, now it's time. And the sister said, you should have been here days ago. You were supposed to raise our brother from the dead. And Jesus began to cry. He said, let's, let's bring him out. And in fact, Jesus said, do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? 
I want to ask you today, do you believe that God can do what he said he would do? Do you believe that God can still heal you? Do you believe that God can still restore your marriage? Do you believe that God can still bring your son back to church? Do you believe you can still get that promotion? Do you believe you can still get that scholarship to ORU? Do you believe, I know you didn't get it in the time you wanted to, but what if it's because God has a bigger plan? Through faith and patience, they inherit the promises. My sister Sarah Today, her and her husband are celebrating the one-year anniversary of planting Victory Orlando Church. <laughs> and Karen Taylor's love story is really special, but I want to tell you what happened before they came together. Sarah had got the dream in her heart when she was 18. God was going to bring her to a man of God, and that they would date, and they would get engaged, get married, and they would do ministry together and travel the world doing missions. But God said, Sarah, you're greater than here at ORU. I don't want you to date anyone. I want you to stay single and just trust me. A few months went by of doing that plan, and Sarah kind of got anxious. Guys were asking her on dates, and this one really good-looking guy, he was a man of God, started pursuing her. And I just want to say to all the singles in the room, just because he's a good-looking man of God doesn't mean he's the man for you. And God, just because she's a beautiful woman of God doesn't mean she's the right one for you. Trust God's tempo. It may be the right one, but the wrong time. But if you get ahead of God, you're going to live with an Ishmael while you're still waiting on your eyes. Sarah came into the pressure, and she tells the story better than I do, but I'll try to do it justice. She, she allowed this guy to start courting her and fell in love, and they got engaged after a few years, and they started planning a wedding, sent out the invites to the church, started getting wedding gifts, and all through it, she felt certain red flags, just feeling like, I just don't know if this is right, but it's just so much pressure and excitement that maybe I should just go through with it. And she dismissed some of those red flags. She was not being led by the peace of God. She was being led by the pressures of people around her. And my parents all along were praying. They knew in their hearts, this just didn't feel right. But instead of trying to push Sarah in their direction, they pray for Sarah to hear from God. And parents hear this. When kids grow up and they're out of the house or they're old enough to be an adult, you can either push them in your own direction or you can pray for them to be led by the Spirit. My parents prayed the decision out. In fact, they said, God, if this is not your time and if this is not your will, please show Sarah and this other guy. Two weeks before the wedding, God spoke to Sarah and this other guy, and he called off the wedding. And it was a tough thing. Sarah was heartbroken, tears, just feeling embarrassed in front of the church, having to send back all the wedding gifts, get back the ring. She had a dream of marrying this guy and doing ministry together. She was going, God, what happened? But she did. She trusted. God spoke to her, Sarah, trust me even with the closed doors. God, tell someone today, you had a closed door, and you thought it was a denial, but really God was saying, that was my protection for your destiny. I'm I'm freeing you from something that could be very painful and very difficult if you try to force that. God's speaking to you right now. I don't know who you are, but God's speaking to you. And a few months went by, and she was still hurting, and God started trying to pursue her, even in her pain. And if you're a guy pursuing a girl whose heart is broken, you need to stop now. You don't want to bury a girl whose heart is halfway healed. And you're not a healer either. You need to let God heal her heart, and then you can start pursuing her, and then you marry her. You protect her heart. Guard her heart. 
Cheryl, she couldn't take any guidance. She was just hurrying. It's hard to walk back into church, just afraid of the judgment. I'm so thankful, Victory, you are not a judgmental church. You accept people even when they feel like they failed publicly, even when they feel like they're not where they should be. You love people even when they're going through a tough storm. And she walked back in and she was loved by everyone. Everybody loved her. And she started doing ministry again. A year went by and her heart was healed again. Her heart was whole. And there was this guy who had been waiting all along. His name is Caleb. And Caleb went up to Sarah one day after church, after years of the engagement, and said, Sarah, would you go on a date with me sometime? She said, sure, Caleb. You know, we've been friends. They've known each other since fourth grade. And so Caleb began to go on these dates with her group dates. And during that time, Caleb had already been leading a Sunday school class, teaching me and teaching my brother the Bible. And then he would be playing basketball with different guys at the church. And... The night came where he proposed to Sarah. He asked her to marry him. And, and it was amazing because he told Sarah that he had been waiting to tell Sarah this. Listen to this real, real closely, y'all. He said, Sarah, I have loved you for a long time. He said, I loved you back in high school. He said, God spoke to me a vision that I was going to marry you. And when you got engaged to that other guy, he said, I was heartbroken. I would cry often just thinking, God, why would you give me a vision? And then totally take it away from me. He said I was hurting. In fact, he was one of the groomsmen of this other guy. He said it was so painful thinking about being in a wedding, looking at the girl that I wanted to marry, that I was dreaming of marrying. And he said, I totally gave it to God. I surrendered it. He said, I didn't try to fight for you. I didn't talk to anyone about it. I kept it between me and God. I didn't try to manipulate it. I didn't try to force myself or push myself. And she's crying as she's listening to this. And he said, Sarah, when I found out the night that you guys had broken off the engagement, I had a praise party in my apartment. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. And he said, I waited. I waited as other guys were pursuing you. And I just knew God said, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. I trusted God's info. I trusted God's timing. And today they celebrated over 10 years of being married with two beautiful children in a church in Orlando. And I'm telling you, God's timing is always better than our timing. The Bible says that there's a perfect time for every season. God has a perfect time for the dreams he's put in your heart, for the, the kid that he has for you, for the marriage that he has for you, for the business that he's called you to start, for the promotion that he has lined up for you. He has the right timing on every decision you're thinking about right now. But the, the question is, is will you trust his timing or will you try to take time into your own hands, take matters into your own hands and rush into something? I'm telling you, it's always better when we wait on God's timing. When we just take time to pray and listen to the peace of God and choose to wait when it's his timing, he'll give you the peace. And when there's not that peace, that means God's saying, hold on, not yet. Or maybe he's saying, this isn't the right opportunity for you. This isn't the right person for you. I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me to just accept God's tempo. And I'm going to pray for you as well. But just say these words with me. Say, God, I trust you. I trust your timing in my life. I trust your leading in my life. Holy Spirit, I choose to follow the peace of God. I choose your way, God. Not my will, but yours be done. In Jesus' name. I want to pray for you right now. Lord, I pray for every person that's watching this show right now. And I just pray for peace. 
and I pray for open doors. God, that you would open the right doors and close the wrong doors. God, that you would direct our steps, and I pray, Lord, for your timing on every decision that the people who are watching today have to make. God, that they'll make it in your timing, and they'll see great success as they wait on your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. And I love you. We love you here at Victory. We're praying. Oh, God. 
morning, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Kwanzaa, July, midday, peace, earth, finances, blessings, yeah. Okay. Rombo Koskele Rokoho, con Randy Rokose Deke. Randy Koskele Rokobras, que Shande Rokosata. Randy Kese Rokombos, que Shandrane Rokose Shandaka. Horombos Kere Rokombos, que Shande Rokosaka. Ha. Horandi Rokombos Tandeke. Horandi Rokosataka. Horombos kiri de kombaka sate. Horombos kiri de kombaka. Horande koskiri de komboko. Hanraske hande kasa. Horande de goseche de goseche de goseche de gosete. Horande de gosata kaha. Hotere kosandike. Horande de goseche de kasata. Hondro Kosandis, que Shelly Kombosan, de Shelly Kombaka, Horandis Kirikosaka, Hondros Kirikomboko, Hondros Kirikosaka, Horandil Gosete, Horandil Gosaka, Horandil Gosete, Horandil Gosaka, Oh, yes, Lord. Coco Sandrani Rigosete. Coco Sandrani Rigosete. Coco and the Sheryl Kosaka. Coco and the Rigosete Shaka. Randy Rigosete Shaka. Hundred Rigosete here. Yander Rigosaka da. Randy Rigosete here. Randy Rigosaka ka. Ko Randy <laughs> We praise that name, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit.
yes. For moving in a unique way, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for making a difference. Thank you, for coming forth. For coming forth as your word enters in and transforms things. As your word enters in, darkness dispels. Life comes forth. Diseases and sickness diminish. Prosperity takes root. Jesus, as your word enters in, Lord, here comes order out of chaos. Could what confusion was. <laughs> I now have knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. When your word comes forth, Lord, mm, mm, mm. where there was lack, there is now overflow. So, Holy Spirit, help us just to to seek you so that you can just be God. Mm, 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 mm. So that you can be God and do what you're capable and what you're wanting and willing to do, Lord. We thank you, Father God, as you continue to speak to us, as you continue to move in our hearts and our lives. We thank you, Father God. Lord, we praise our name. Boskere the Gosadaka. We glorify you, Lord. Randy Gosete. Morashir the Gosadaka. Randishkere the Gosadaka. Randy Gosete. Randy Gosadaka. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Peace. Peace is surpasses all understanding. Grace, mercy, and favor. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Shall I pray to get there? It's over. Mm. 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 It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's done in you, Christ Jesus. 
It's done as you make the difference. It's done as you make a way out of nowhere, Lord. The things we've been seeking, struggling, fighting, praying, petitioning, asking, is done in you, Christ. Let us walk in that, Lord. Let us walk in that, Father God. Let us walk in that, recognizing that it's only by your grace and your mercy, Father. Nothing that we could have ever done but seek your face regarding such, Lord. But, Lord, thank you for helping us to get up out of the way and let you be God. Thank you, Father God. Uh, really, as your grace, mercy, and favor has entered in the is making a difference. Thank you, Holy Spirit. As you continue to mm, shine, as you continue to impart, as you continue to do all those things that you know that are that are that are needed. We thank you, Father God. And ask for your mercy, your peace, your life to continue to just come forth. We thank you, Father God, for continuing to cause a difference to occur. We know it's you, God. Couldn't be done in us. Couldn't be done in us, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. As you continue to perfect all things that concern of us, and we continue to walk this thing out, seeking you, trusting you, and letting you be God. We give you the praise and the glory. In your holy name and yourself. Amen. Okay. All right. <laughs> Leave it to be, though. That's funny. So, I should put that in the car when I want to. Anybody online? Anybody want to pray? Anybody want to pray? Anybody on the line? I'm going to take that as a no. No, yes, maybe so. Okay. Well, I'm trying to think it's 8 o'clock. 
I'm your father, thing. Move family. Run the run the position of Theresa Crosby, Rando Gosishi, 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 Gosish
Rondo City to go station, Rondo Gosa, Sakara. Susie Webb, Rondo go station, 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 Dwight and Jimmy McCombs, Hosh could have possession of 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 Tyrese, Rondo go
Our result for the position, 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 position,
Satanic after school program. Whoosh, get it up on Randy. Sarakada. Bell worship is Yando Puss, get it up. Sakara. Illuminati, Yarandi. Sakara. And the crack house. Whoosh, get it up on Buku. Sakara. As my callers and the others. Second sharing. Yarakonda, Randy, the position of the position of the Sakara. Deals Okay. I'm going to say that everyone on the list is on that list. Okay, welcome to the room with Supernatural. Run the position, 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 Ain't 
knowledge, wisdom, understanding, or wonder, 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 Supernatural superhuman strength, ability, gifts, and talents on the synergies can increase in basis. Run to go to the Gurus, go to the Saragas, Akara. Grace, mercy, and favor. Run to go to the Gandhi, go to the Gandhi, go to the Gandhi, go to Ability to persevere to the end. Run the go to the shit, the shit, 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 And that's supreme strength, ability to persevere to the end. Uh, renewing our mind, you're under the gun, you're under the gun, you're under the gun, you're under the gun, Renewing our youth, you're under the gun, 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 you're under like I do all this, you know you want to come in. Mm-hmm. How are you? Okay. I'm watching. Watching? Okay, I'm good. How are you? No, I'm all right. I'm welcome, son. Mm-hmm. Can I help you? Mm-hmm. Do you want to pray anything again? Mm-mm. Okay. Well, I'm getting ready to send out this text message if you don't want to pray about me. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. 
Download the free Stingray Music mobile app.
is on me. I feel the pain. I don't deserve it. It's just as pain. I'm carrying surfing. Gone with the wind. His hand is on me, if you agree. Can you slay simply? Go ahead and throw your hands up. I woke up this morning to get it in. No, I'm not playing. This is my trend. No, I'm not perfect. I want to get it right. I correct my own self. Turn left. Focus on my own self. Reach for the top. Don't stop. Man. Yeah. I feel good. I'm so grateful. I feel good. I'm so thankful. I feel good. Man, I'm so blessed. I feel good. Hands up. Thank <laughs> you. 
Download the free Stingray Music mobile app. I won't try to understand this man who gave me his Working for my good, yeah, I'm working for my good. It's 
Happy, happy, joy, joy. Mm-hmm. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Mm-hmm. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Mm-hmm. Happy, happy, joy, joy. 
Okay. I need to go upstairs, change phone, get the book, all that lovely stuff. Give me one second, and I will tend to the business. But that's all right with y'all. All right. Are you ready to throw down? Yes, I is. Something to guard against in spiritual warfare. Each stage of the believer's walk possesses its particular hazard. The new life within us wages a constant war against all which opposes this growth. 
Interesting. During the physical stage, it is a war against sins. In the solar phase, it is a battle against the natural life. And lastly, on the spiritual level, it's an onslaught against the supernatural enemy. I'll go through that again. Each stage of the believer's walk, the believer's walk, not the person who's not a believer, possesses its particular hazard. The new life within us, which would be our our spirit nature, which is regenerated, wages a constant war against all which opposes its growth. Mm. Interesting. It wages a war. That means it will bring things up. It will make you encounter things, put you in front of things. Again, you don't have to go looking for problems. They're going to present itself because of what's going on, because of the spiritual laws that apply. During the physical stage, it is a war against sins. In the soulish phase, it is a battle against the natural life. And lastly, on the spiritual level, it's an onslaught against the supernatural enemy. It is solely when a Christian turns spiritual that the evil spirit in that realm launches its assault against his spirit. Hmm. Accordingly, this is called spiritual war. You know what, Erica? I got to send you that stuff. Please remind me. Morgan did. Did, did she... I don't know if she ever emailed it to me or not. Because you need to give it to your pastor. I know something else you like, you know, on your list of stuff to do. According, this is called spiritual warfare. It's fought between spirits and with spirit. It's fought between spirits and with spirit. Oh. It's fought between spirits with S and with spirit with no S, singular. Such a phenomenon rarely ever occurs with unspiritual believers. Mm. Do not imagine for a moment, therefore, that when one actually reaches a spiritual plateau, he is beyond conflict. A Christian life is an unending engagement on the battlefield. The Christian has no possibility of laying down his arms until he stands before God. So I'm going to give you all a couple of minutes because I know some of you all don't want to hear anymore. So I'm going to give you all the opportunity to go ahead and hang up. I'm just, I'm just being nice right now. Oh, I'm supposed to go through this reading without stopping on the first time. I forgot. Excuse me. My bad. The Christian has no possibility of laying down his arms until he stands before the Lord. While soulish, he faces conflict with the flesh and its danger. When spiritual, he encounters spiritual warfare and its peculiar hazards. Initially, there's the war against Amalek in the wilderness. Upon entering Canaan, there is next the struggle against the seven tribes of Canaan, where the attack of Satan is evil host against the believer's spirit is mounted only after the believer has become spiritual. Since the enemy focuses particular attention on the spirit, how necessary for spiritual believers to keep their own spirit in its normal state and frequently to exercise it as well. They must control with utmost caution all bodily sensations and carefully distinguish all natural and supernatural phenomena. Hmm, interesting. It's called discernment. Hmm, really? The mind must be kept perfectly calm without any disturbance. Their physical senses, too, must be maintained in quiet balance without agitation. Okay, so some of y'all can go hang up some more. It's probably going to be just only me on this phone call before I finish reading, you know. 
Spiritual Christians should exercise their will to deny and oppose any falsehood and to seek to follow the inner man with their whole heart. Should they at any time follow the soul instead of the inner man, they have lost precious ground already in spiritual warfare. Furthermore, they must be... They must be very careful to guard their spirit from being passive in this warfare. Oh, that was it. I can't be passive. I, okay, so I'm just talking to me from this point on because I know that's the last person who was trying to hang on, and I'm just, you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, we have mentioned before that all our guidance must proceed from the inner man. We must wait with our spirit for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. All this is fundamentally true. However, we need to exercise extreme prudence here, lest we fall into grievous error. For while we are waiting in our spirit for the Holy Spirit to move and guide us, a danger readily arises wherein our spirit and our entire being may slide into a state of passivity. That sounds like somebody saying something about, I'm going to just close my eyes completely to everything. Is that what they said last night? Okay. I just, you know. Nothing can provide more ground for Satan to work from than this state of inaction. Mm. On the one side, we ought not to do anything in our own strength to save, obey the Holy Spirit. Yet on the other side, we need to be watchful lest our spirit or any part of our being turns mechanical and plunges into inertia. Our inner man must vitally govern our total being and must cooperate actively with God's spirit. When our spirit tumbles into passivity, the Holy Spirit is left with no way to use it. This is because his operation in human life is absolutely diametrical to that of Satan. The Holy Spirit requires man to com- cooperate loving, cooperate livingly with him. He desires man to work actively with him because he never violates the believer's personality. Interesting. Hmm. He never violates believers' personality. That's very interesting. Because your personality will be comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Yeah, that would be. Your character. Hmm. Interesting. By contrast, Satan demands a full stop so that he may take over and do everything in man's stead. He wishes man to accept his worth passively. Satan wants to turn man into an automation. Oh, how we should guard against whatever is extreme and guard against misunderstanding the spiritual doctrine. We need not fear being radical in obeying the That is for sure. Nor do we need to guard against being extreme and denying the works of the flesh. But most vigilant must we be that we be not led to any extreme misconception. We said most emphatically earlier that we ought to seek God's work, for vain are those things which belong to man and spring from him. We have said that no spiritual value is possible except what is done through the Holy Spirit, through our inner man, and that we should therefore wait and with our spirit for revelation from God. Yes, this that we have affirmed is quite true, and blessed is he who is willing, who is willing to follow the truth. Nonetheless, herein lies one of the greatest perils of all, that of going to the extreme through misunderstanding, countless believers mistake this truth that we have enunciated us to call inertia. They conceive the idea that their minds should be emptied for the Holy Spirit to think for them. 
that their emotions should be suppressed in order for him to put his affection in them, and that their will should make no decision so that he can decide for them. They mistakenly assume they should accept without question whatever comes to them. Their spirit should not cooperate actively with the Holy Spirit, but wait passively for his moving. Then, if there's any movement, it automatically is assumed to be from him. Hmm. This constitutes a very serious misjudgment. It is a fact that God wants to destroy every work of our flesh, but he never desired to destroy our personality. He takes no pleasure in transforming us into automata. Rather, does he delight in having us cooperate with him? Rather, does he delight in having us cooperate with him? God does not wish us to be a people void of thoughts, feelings, and decisions. He yearns for us to think what he thinks, feel what he feels, desire what he desires. The Holy Spirit never supplants us in thinking, feeling, and desiring. We ourselves must think, feel, and desire, but all according to God's will. If our mind, emotion, and will plunge into a state of quiescence, quiescence, whatever that word is, Q-U-I-E-S-C-N-E, whatever, in which we are no longer active but idly waiting for an outside force to activate us. Ooh, okay, if anybody else, I guess the cricket's going to just stop chirping right now because we're still waiting on that outside force to come do what we're supposed to do. The cricket said, man, look, I can't take this no more. I got to get out of here. In which we are no longer actively but idly waiting for an outside force to activate us, then our spirit too cannot escape being passive at the same time. And thus Satan benefits immeasurably when we are unable to exercise our spirit but expect instead to be prodded by some external force. Mm. A fundamental difference obtains between the work of the Holy Spirit and that of the evil spirit. The Holy Spirit moves people themselves to work, never setting aside man's personality. The evil spirit demands men to be entirely inactive so he may work in their place, reduce a man's spirit to a robot. Hence, a passive spirit not only provides the evil one an opportunity to function, but binds the hands of the Holy Spirit as well, because he would not operate without the cooperation of the believer. Under these circumstances, the evil's power inevitably will attempt to exploit the situation. Before a Christian becomes spiritual, he is not confronted by this danger of contacting the satanic power. But once he becomes spiritual, the wicked one naturally will assault his inner man. The fleshly Christian never experiences this passivity of a spirit. The spiritual alone encounters the hazards of developing an errant spirit. Due to his misconception of the destruction of the flesh, a child of God may allow his inner man to sink into an inert state. This affords the evil one a chance to stimulate the Holy Spirit. If the believer forgets that the enemy may influence his spirit as much as the Holy Spirit can, he unwittingly may accept every movement in the spirit to be from the Holy Spirit and thereby cede ground to Satan for pursuing his aim of destroying the moral, mental, and physical well-being of the saint and making himself unspeakable pains. All righty. Well, if anybody's left on the line, that's end of that. I'm gonna, you know, go through it again. But, you know, figure y'all probably done hung up or just looking at the ceiling or you know, whatever about now. I know you had to go make breakfast. Got you. I got you. Each stage of the believer's walk possesses its particular hazard. The new life within us wages a constant war against all which opposes his growth. 
During the physical stage, it is a war against sins. In the soulless phase, it is a battle against the natural life. And lastly, on the spiritual level, it's an onslaught against the supernatural enemy. Each stage of the believer's walk, the physical, the soul, and the spiritual. And the Bible tells you the flesh and the spirit wars against each other. But now what he's pointing out is that your spirit starts this war. Why would because your spirit says he's trying to get back to his rightful place, that place that God said, this is where I need you to be. But he's not starting the war to override your will. That's what he keeps pointing out. And it's only when a Christian turns spiritual that the evil spirit in that realm launches this assault against his spirit. According to this is called spiritual warfare. It is fought between spirits and with spirit. And so again, because see, it is the evil one that has spirits. But it's only one spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit, which is God's spirit. So if you're always dealing with spirits, then it is not of God. It is spirit, then it is of God. Your spirit and the Holy Spirit. But if it's spirits, then it's not of God. It is fought between spirits and with spirit. Such phenomena rarely, if ever, occurs with unspiritual believers. Do not imagine for a moment, therefore, that when one actually reaches the spiritual plateau, he is beyond conflict. A Christian life is an unending engagement of battlefield. Right there, because see, some of us don't like that unending, because we got to, have our peace, this ain't what I call for, no, this ain't what it's all about. Okay. But then we just point out that the moment you choose not to fight, you're still going to end up fighting. You're just going to fight on a different different battlefield, different plane, in a different way, but you're still going to end up fighting. Until you get, your, get rid of this meat suit, there's a fight. It's just you're choosing are you going to be on the offense? Are you going to be on the defense? And again, you don't have to go looking for this fight. Okay, well, let me let me let me let me lay, let me um let me make this a little real because see some of us, you know, all this battle and spiritual warfare and stuff like that. What happens if you wake up and you don't do nothing? I mean, just in the natural, you got to eat. Now, see, if you're at the level of the Rockefellers and all that, then you're not really worried about your basic provision, which is your food, clothing, and shelter. That's pretty much it. You're at that level you're provided for. I'm going to assume that most of us on this phone are not at that level. So at some aspect, we're concerned about our food, our clothing, and our shelter. So if you wake up, and you choose not to do anything. Now, I understand that moments when you might not do anything. There might be days, but let that process go on for a long period of time. Somehow or another, you got to have some kind of provision. It doesn't just come to you. See, that will go back. If you don't want to get real, it has to go back all the way to the curse. When sin entered in, 
And Adam, you know, sinned, and then the water guy, he said, I'm going to curse the ground from then. You got to toil to get the fruit from it, to get a harvest from it. So, again, there's a fight, people. You can't get away from it. Even if on the basic need was to go out there and to plant you a garden, you're going to have to fight with the weather, the bugs, the animals, and everything else just to get your harvest, just to get your crop. So you need to get up in your mind somehow, some way that you're going to have to fight. You're just going to need to choose where you're going to fight at and how you're going to fight. A Christian life is an unending engagement on the battlefield. The Christian has no possibility of laying down his arms until he stands before the Lord. While soulish, he places conflict with the flesh and its danger. When spiritual, he encounters spiritual warfare in its peculiar houses. Initially, there's the war against Amalek in the wilderness. Upon entering Canaan, there's next struggles against the seven tribes of Canaan, wherein the attack of Satan and his evil host against the believer's spirit is mounted only after the believer has become spiritual. The seven hosts of Canaan. Now, oh, oh, that sounds like the seven mountaintops. We broke down all the economic powers. All, I'm sorry, all the powers of community, you know, finance. Government, business, um, I'm trying to think whatever it was. But each mountain represents entertainment, arts and entertainment, sports, religion. Those are the seven giants that we talked about when we were all in the book of uh, about the seven mountaintops. See, some of you all might be in the process of making that transition from the from the spiritual or the wilderness to the spiritual. So that means you're going to begin to face that particular giant that's over your life. Mm. Whatever anointing, whatever calling is upon your life, as you begin to make that transition from the soulless to the spiritual, you're going to begin to encounter your giant that is assigned to you because he doesn't want you to rise up. So it's a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual law. So, again, God God will begin to reveal, to teach, and instruct, and do all types of things as you continue to grow in this thing called life. Since the enemy focuses particular attention on the spirit, how necessary for spiritual believers to keep their own spirit in its normal state and frequently to exercise it as well. They must control with utmost caution all bodily sensations and carefully distinguish all natural and supernatural phenomena. The mind must be kept perfectly calm without any disturbance. The physical senses, too, must be maintained in quiet balance without agitation. Spiritual Christians should exercise their will to deny and oppose any falsehood and seek to follow the inner man with a whole heart. Should they at any time follow the soul instead of the inner man, they have lost precious ground already in spiritual warfare. Furthermore, they must be very careful to guard their spirit from being passive in this warfare. So basically he's saying that Okay, first of all, let's let's back this thing up. 
see, as God begins to grow you up, you got to get, by this point in time, you have to kind of begin to get to the point where you're beginning to understand. I talked about the different voices, you know, because if you're still listening to yourself and you're thinking it's God, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to go far because you're still caught up on what you think your desires, and that is not what God has for you. You'll be let off base. Again, the Holy Spirit will correct you if you humble yourself. So what I mean? Well, when God starts to point out to you that, you know what, that ain't me talking, that's you. When you start making mistakes on a continuous basis, we're all going to do it in part. But when God starts pointing, God, again, it's the Holy Spirit's job to grow you up. Again, but he does it in a way that you will not be dead. So you're going to make mistakes. You're going to miss it. But if you choose never to walk out on it, then you will never grow. And so now he brings it down to this passivity, which I know some people again hanging up on the phone, you know. But that passivity, oh, you know, I'm going to just, you know, I'm a, I ain't quite figured it out. I'm going to just let it happen. Oh, I love how he about to just get all up into that, how, to, how much the enemy is using that passivity. So in other words, you are sitting there being inactive. It's giving ground to Satan. Yeah. I'm waiting on God. God going, no, you ain't. You're giving ground to the enemy. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, really? Yeah, really. Mm. Mm. I'm just saying, you know, just say. You're giving ground to the enemy. Okay, let me keep reading because, see, you know, I, I, I'm I'm just talking out the side of my neck. I'm like Frankenstein right now. Spiritual Christians should exercise the will to deny and oppose any falsehood and to seek to follow the inner man with the whole heart. Should they at any time follow the soul instead of the inner man, they have lost precious ground already in spiritual warfare. Furthermore, they must be very guard, careful to guard this spirit from being passive in this warfare. Hmm. Anytime follow the soul, which is being led by the soul into the spirit, then you're being led by yourself, which is not being led by the spirit of God. Now, we've mentioned before that all our guidance must proceed from the inner man. We must wait with our spirit for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Okay. We got that because we just said if we do something on our own, then that's not God doing it. So we must wait. How long are you going to wait till you recognize it's you? Okay. God's got to get you together. Uh-huh. God already said, get them go through this doorway, and you're trying to still get yourself together. See, by this point in time, you got to know the voices because, see, Honestly, it gets to a point that the Holy Spirit will say, that's exactly what I mean. Just like a parent and a child, and you tell them enough, it's like, okay, well, look, I done told you all I done told you. Because, see, you ain't going to recognize that it's you until you go out there and bump your head. And I can guarantee you, if you sit in that same point, for days, weeks, months, and years, 
Oh, that's all up in you. That ain't got nothing to do with God. And God has left you to yourself because you refuse to move. That's what he's talking about being passive. I'm waiting on God. Really? God done told you how many times to do stuff. Again, the Holy Spirit, what he said, he's not going to violate your will. He's calling it personality. What is your personality? It's comprising your mind with your soul and emotions. It's a free, it's a free will. God's got to grow you up in this thing. Just like, you know, my child. All right, you enter into adulthood. Certain things I just ain't going to do for you no more. You got to go out there and bump your head and find out for yourself. I'll try to mentor or guide you as I see fit, but I'm not going to take your hand on. Because, see, as, as, see, we reject that in the natural. You ain't got to hold my hand. I'm grown enough. Okay, fine. I hope you see that truck coming your way. I'll just keep reading. See, y'all yeah, don't want to hear that. Now, we mentioned before that all our guidance must proceed from the inner man. We must wait with our spirit for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. All this is fundamentally true, fundamentally true. However, we need to ex exercise extreme prudence here lest we fall into grievous error. This ain't even a slight error. For while we are waiting in our spirit for the Holy Spirit to move and guide us, a danger readily arises wherein our spirit and our entire being may slide into a state of passivity. Nothing can provide more ground for Satan to work from this state of inaction, passivity, inaction. You ain't doing nothing. What did she say? All movement ain't progression? Are you progressing for it? Then you're on that wheel going around and around. You ain't doing nothing. And you've even got to the point that you even believe in your own deception. You believe in all your own lie. Oh, okay, let's break it down. You believe in that which Satan has allowed you to enter in because of your own fear, doubt, and unbelief. So now you're choosing not to move forward, and you're buying into the deception that the enemy is putting in front of you. Does that make you feel better? Nothing can provide more ground for Satan to work from this state of inaction. On the one side, we ought not do anything in our own strength to save the obey the Holy Spirit. Yet on the other side, we need to be watchful, lest our spirit or any part of our being turns mechanical and plunges into inertia. Our inner man must vitally govern our total being and must cooperate actively with God's spirit. When our spirit tumbles into passivity, the Holy Spirit is left with no way to use it. <clears throat> when our spirit trembles into passivity, the Holy Spirit is left with no way to use it. Faith without works is dead. So if you ain't doing nothing, but I'm doing this, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Are you progressing forward? Are changes occurring? And see, we've been pointed out on the line that just because you are at a point of rest while you're waiting upon God, nine times out of ten there are other things that you could go back and clean up that you need to finish. There's always something to be done. So being patient waiting on God does not mean you're doing nothing. But again, this is see, this is getting to that fine tune. I told you this is grad work. That's why you gotta that's why he, what did he say? You gotta exercise your faith. 
By this point in time, you got to be in tune enough with God. Are you going to miss it? Yes. Are you going to be perfect? No. But again, that's where the body comes in. Every joint supplies one another. That's when God would say, hey, go talk to that person over there. And when you start getting two or three people telling you the same thing, okay, hold up, wait a minute, something out of order. Even And life happens. We get caught up in things. That's why God has created a body. We need it. I'm, I'm going to say it, and I know Erica's going to love it. But I told her, you know, when you see me getting caught up in myself too much, I give you permission to slap the shut out of me. And she, was, she would buy first-class ticket to do it. But, again, that's what's needed. We can't always be soft for me because, you know what, some of that don't get our attention. Because I told, who was that, Felicia, I said, look, you prefer for me to cuss you out than God. Because understand this, by the point that it gets to the point that God really starts to deal with you, you have been told over and over and over and over again, by this point, you're about to lose out on something, baby. By this point, God said, I'm now taking you to a place of judgment. He has been talking to you, showing you that's the Holy Spirit's job to strive you. He has given you opportunity, opportunity to correct it, whatever. And you, because of whatever reason, and now he's pointing out passivity, are refusing to move. So what happens when you don't use what God gives you? He takes it away. Again, he's got a covenant to fulfill. So he takes away that one talent and gives it to the one with the ten. That's why people who are busy find themselves with more stuff getting on their plate because God says you are showing yourself to be an accountable steward. But now ye who wanted to go bury it in the, in the, in the ground, you were passivity. I have taken away with you, you unfaithful servant. But I was scared. You are a hard, unjust man. But now you are lacking, Stuart, because the things that I've been showing and teaching you, you now fail to walk out on. Again, when it comes down to God's covenant, I'm going to love you to heaven, but right now i got to hire somebody else for your position. Next. He's got a covenant to fulfill. You can take it personal all you want because he's going to send you over to the first grade. You're going to repeat this class. Now, you might stay in this class for the next five years, but in the meantime, I got to get this done over here. That's basically how it works. Yeah, God believe me. I'm just talking outside of my neck. Tell you what, five years, you're in the same position. You're going to go, maybe he might be right. I hope you're able to provide for yourself by the While our spirit comes on the passivity, the Holy Spirit is left with no way to use it. This is because his operation in a human life is absolutely diametrical to that of Satan. The Holy Spirit requires man to cooperate livingly with him. He desires man to work actively with him because he never violates the believer's personality. By contrast, Satan demands a full stop in man so he may take over and do everything in man's stead. He wishes man to accept his worth passively. Satan wants to turn man into an automation. Oh, how we should guard against whatever is extreme and guard against misunderstanding the spiritual doctrine. We need not fear being radical and being the Lord. 
That is for sure. Nor do we need to guard against being extreme and denying the works of the flesh. But most vigilant must we be that we not be led to any extremes through misconception. This is such a fine line, but a big difference. Again, we're not we talking, this is not for the baby Christian. He's even told, this is not for the baby saints. Okay? What, what he broke it down, um, fleshly, solely, spiritual. So the stuff that he's telling you, at this point in time, you've got to establish, you've got to have been working this out to a certain degree to some way that you even get into the subject. So again, by this again by this point in time, the 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 recognition of the different voices flowing in the Holy Spirit, you need to be filled with all this stuff needs to be occurring because these are I say the gray areas because it's not straight out blatantly and black and white in front of your face. Talked about going downtown. Erica's gonna take the Dan Ryan. I'm gonna take the red line. We both will meet up the same place at the same time. But if I got into the car with Erica, when God told me to take the red line, I would be in error. Because the Holy Spirit has a specific way and a specific reason why I need to be on the red line. He has a specific reason why he needs Erica on the, on the dead line. So, again, so, you know, these are the things that I say you must know for sure. What do we talk about? Let's Okay, let's go back to Scripture then. Paul and his last, what was this, his last journey, how they all talked to him and told him, you're going to be bound, you're going to be in jail, and they even, put, they even wrapped their hands. And, all of, and actually all of that happened, but Paul knew that he had to go. See, see, this is why it's a necessity that you, what did he say? Exercise your will so that you know God's voice for yourself and that you keep yourself humble, keep yourself out of it, keep yourself open. So that when you do begin to slide off, God, God, it's the Holy Spirit's job. I keep hammering that into you because he's not, he knows the nature of our flesh, especially since Jesus has been here. Because Jesus is like, oh, daddy, oh, hey, that flesh suit, daddy, hold oh, oh, on, oh, oh. Because see, God is looking at us through Jesus. Because Jesus experiences flesh suit. So the Holy Spirit is down. And after Jesus got done, said, now I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you the one who will give you the power, the strength, and the ability. One who's got the actual, the, the shakara, what is that, uh, the, what is it, exusia, who's got the power. So that's who we're working with us. And he's striving, striving means there's a struggle to get us right. So I'm trying to get you to understand, step out, make these mistakes. Do the things that's better than to sit back and be passive because he's saying by your passivity you're giving more ground to Satan than by you stepping out. By your uh, sitting waiting on God, year four, five. Okay, I'm sitting waiting on God, month two, three. Now that might be depending on the situation, two or three months, depending on things, maybe. But I hope you know. You know, the doctor gave you that cancer report, and you sitting back waiting on God to tell you what to do. The doctor saying that cancer is growing. Well, I'm going to talk to God about healing, and I'm going to wait to see what he's going to do. Okay, okay. I got to go down that lane. Didn't mean to tell. I, because I know that's a, a personal issue, 
but I got to go down that lane since I opened it up. Okay. You, you're waiting on God for healing. What are you doing? Are you actively getting in his word regarding healing scriptures? Are you actually meditating on his word? Are you actually confessing and practicing and exercising? See, you could be waiting on God, but what are you doing? See, all of that is why you're waiting for that cancer to, to go away is you're still doing something. You're not, ah, oh, God, come and touch me. Like the man by the pool, you know, was the pool beside him? He was waiting to get there 20 years. Everybody beat him. Trust and believe nine times out of ten, there are things you can be doing. And the Holy Spirit will show you this. Because, see, what do they say? If you want somebody, if you want a job done, ask somebody who's busy. Because they see you actively doing something, that means you already got it. At least that person wants to work. You know how many people ask me for work on a daily basis, and I go, okay, uh-huh. I recognize if you really wanted to work, you work. Now, will I entertain it? I got a guy now. I'll help every blue moon. And last time I helped him, he come arguing about cigarettes, got some whiskey in his hand. I'm like, dude, I really ain't got time for this. When the opportunity will present, I, because I feel led by the Holy Spirit, I will work with him when the opportunity is presented. But am I going out of my way? No. See, I've grown up enough in this thing, recognizing people are where they're at because of choices in their life. Oh, oh, I shouldn't have even went down that stroke. Because, see, we're too busy pointing our fingers at everything and everybody else. Really, where's the accountability factor? Where's it? You know what? I got, I'm, I messed up. I, I'm going to just bring, because, see, y'all don't want to hear no more of this. I, I, okay, I hear one person moving on the line, so let me keep my one person on. Everybody else is hung up. Say, I'm talking crazy today. <clears throat> when our spirit tumbles into passivity, the Holy Spirit is left with no way to use it. This is because his operation in human life is absolutely diametrical to that of Satan. The Holy Spirit requires a man to cooperate livingly with him. He desires man to work actively with him because he never violates the believer's personality. In other words, we have to consent. He's not going to force you. We have to consent. Now, I will say that you might find yourself into some precarious situations. You got a choice, but you really ain't got no choice. Tell y'all all the time, I got a choice. I ain't got to go to work. I ain't got to do this. Really? You know how many people I got? My choices right now are affecting the lives of how many people? Hmm. Yeah. That's what happens when God raises you up. Now, it's no longer about you. Chuck says, Yo, you can't even die by yourself. <laughs> how many other people? When you start getting to that level of understanding, your life ain't about your life. It's about that who God called you to go and serve, God called you to go and work with, God called you to go be an example that helps you to move when you understand yourself. Okay, I was reading. I'm sorry. I just I need to stop going off on these tangents. You know, I ain't never going to get out of here. Mm-hmm. 
By contrast, Satan demands a full stop in man so he may take over and do everything in man's stead. He wishes man to accept his work passively. Satan wants to turn man into an automation. Oh, how we should guard against whatever is extreme and guard against misunderstanding and spiritual doctrine. We need not fear being radical and obeying the Lord. That is for sure. Nor do we need to guard against being extreme and denying the works of the flesh. But most vigilant must we be that we not be led by any extremes through misconception. We said most emphatically earlier that we ought to seek God's work, for vain are those things which belong to man and spring from him. We have said that no spiritual value is possible except from what is done by the Holy Spirit through our inner man, and that we should therefore wait with our spirit for revelation from God. Yes, this that we have affirmed is quite true, and blessed is he who is willing to follow this truth. Nonetheless, herein lies one of the gravest perils of all, that of going to the extreme through misunderstanding. Countless mis- believers mistake this truth that we have enunciated as to call to inertia. They conceive the idea that the mind should be empty for the Holy Spirit to think for them, that their emotions should be suppressed in order for him to put his affection in them, and that their will should make no decision so that he can decide for them. They mistakenly assume they should accept without question whatever comes to them. Their spirit should not cooperate actively with the Holy Spirit but should wait passively for his moving. And then, if there be any movement, it automatically is assumed to be from him. Wow. Mm. You know what? Mm, mm, mm. Oh, my God. I mean... I just see so much in that. Reasons why we don't do this. Fear, doubt, and unbelief. Not getting up. Exercising our will. Exercising our faith. And the enemy has tricked us. We're too busy walking according to our thoughts, our will, our desire, even when we're saying that our our reasons for not doing this is because we're not ready yet. Everything is not in line. God hasn't spoken to us. Think and grow rich. Everybody got a million and one excuses about why they're not successful. And those handful of people that he interviewed had a common thread. Everybody's got an excuse of why they don't do nothing. Why this happened and that happened or that person or this person. Quit being lethargic. Trust God. And I talked about that. That Let's be real. That's a struggle for us to really trust God. He's got to grow you up in that. But again, don't you think he knows that?
We got to learn to be real, to be open. And see, he even makes, shout out, Gomba. Oh, my God, within his word, there's everything that you need in order to overcome your situation. What is that Deuteronomy prayer? Those giants who are bigger than us, those situations and circumstances bigger, those things the Lord, I recognize, I can't do. But God, so even in that confession that you need to be doing is making a, uh, it's making a, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? It's giving you room for your for your fear. It's giving you room but you recognizing, Lord, I'm scared. It's giving you room to, well, you're being real, Lord. Oh, Jesus, I don't really trust you in this. But you know what I'm choosing to do? I'm going to look back and look at how you systematically, when I walk through this and fall through that, and how you got me to where I'm at. Because when I really, truly look back, I recognize that I wasn't totally in the control that I thought. Because if I'm going to be real with it, I shouldn't be here. I know I missed it there. I know back then I didn't have what I needed, but somehow or another his grace and mercy showed up. I know that this person there was really coming to take me out, but somehow I they missed me. I was I missed an appointment. You can look back in your walk and look at how even in all where you recognize you didn't have it together, but it was his grace and his mercy that got you to where you're at now. So God is making allowance for you to struggle with the area where you're really struggling to trust him. It's in his word. Everything that you need is in his word. See, that's why he tells you to study to show thyself approved. But that inertia and that passivity, well, I'm going to wait to God. I'm going to say this because I I can't help it. I'm going to wait for God to open up the Bible and to show me exactly which one it is. Bible been sitting on your desk, got covered with dust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this constitutes a very serious misjudgment. Where am I at? This constitutes a very serious misjudgment. It is a fact that God wants to destroy every work of our flesh, but he never desires to destroy our personality. He takes no pleasure in transforming us into automata. Rather does he delight in having us cooperate with him. I mean, rather does he delight in having us cooperate with him. God does not wish us to be a people void of thoughts, feelings, and decisions. He yearns for us to think what he thinks, feel what he feels, desire what he desires. The Holy Spirit never supplants us in thinking, feeling, and desiring. We ourselves must think, feel, and desire, but all according to God's will. If our mind, emotion, and will plunge into a state of quietness, whatever that Q-U-I-E-S-C-E, in which we are no longer active but idly waiting for an outside force to activate us, then our spirit, too, cannot escape being passive at the same time. And thus, benefits immeasurably when we are unable to exercise our spirit, but expect instead to be prodded by some external force. I'm going to read that again. I got to read that again. 
This constitutes a very serious misjudgment. It is a fact that God wants to destroy every work of our flesh, but he never does desire to destroy our personality. Ain't no flesh from glory in his presence, but he wants us to line up, to, to come in alignment with him out of our choice. He takes no pleasure in transforming us into all the matter. Rather does he delight in having us cooperate with him. God does not wish us to be a people void of thoughts, feelings, and decisions. He yearns for us to think what he thinks, feel what he feels, and desire what he desires. Okay, I got to stop right there. I'm going to ask y'all a, a real serious question. Why are y'all on this line? Why am I asking that? Because I can guarantee you about, what, five, ten years from now, ten years ago, you would have never in your life imagined that you would be on this line for this on the time doing this thing. You're choosing to do it because of whatever situation or circumstances got you to the point. Now, with all of us, it might be a little bit different, but I just like this guy, um, Think and Grow Rich, I can kind of guarantee the principle was similar. Now, we make a choice to call in because it's doing something for us. You know what it's doing? It's feeding our spirit is what it's doing. We're getting fed where in this manner, where somewhere else we wasn't getting fed in this manner. So we make a choice. So what is that doing? So that's saying that we're lining up with what God wants to do for us. Is he forcing us to do it? No. Do you have to choice? call in? No. That's why I look. I, put, I send a message out. It's up to y'all that I want to call in. But, see, again, five or ten years ago, I look, I trust and believe. I'm like, really, God? I do that, I was really, especially on Sundays. I like, me, 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 yeah, okay. But the processes that occur, he grows you up in this thing. So now you're choosing to do it and not being forced to do it. That's what God's talking about. When our wills, our desires line up with his wills and his desires. The Holy Spirit never supplants us thinking, Holy Spirit never supplants us in thinking, feeling, and desiring. We ourselves must think, feel, and desire, but all according to God's will. If our mind, emotion, and will plunge into a state of quietness in which we are no longer active, but idly waiting for an outside force to activate us. He goes again, what's the difference outside, inside? Outside, inside. But idly waiting for an outside force to activate us, then our spirit too cannot escape being passive at the same time. And thus Satan benefits immeasurably when we are unable to exercise our spirit but expect instead to be prodded by some external force. I'm expecting to be prodded by some external force. I'm expecting to get somebody to do something for me. I want to be taken care of. I, I, I don't want to do it. Look, I don't want to do it either. But I ain't, ain't nobody going to do it for me. Just coming to that realization. This is my, my life is my responsibility. I'm accountable for my own. Hell, I'm accountable for other people at this point. But we grow into that. So we got to quit looking for somebody to take and make work everything out. And, okay, all I got to do is wake up and it's a done deal. It don't happen like that. A fundamental difference 
obtains between the work of the Holy Spirit and that of the evil spirit. The Holy Spirit moves people themselves to work, never setting aside man's personality. Evil spirit demands men to be entirely inactive so he may work in their place, reducing man's spirit to a robot. Hence, a passive spirit not only provides the evil one an opportunity to function, but binds our hands of the Holy Spirit as well, because he would not operate without the cooperation of the believer. So a passive spirit was, provides the evil one an opportunity to function. Why is a passive spirit providing the evil one an opportunity to function? Because you're not moving where you need to be moving at. You're not using your capabilities and your your those things that God says is up to you to do. So since you're not using it, that allows the enemy to come in and begin to take over. Hence, blockages and the struggles in our life. Because we've allowed the enemy to come in and do things for us which we would not do for ourselves. Oh, bam. I just lost the audience again, people. We, we allow Satan to come in through our inertia, through our passivity, because we didn't, we didn't feel like it. Ooh, really? That, one, that just irks me, really, just kind of bad. I, you got to excuse me. So since I didn't feel like it, God says, well, it's your choice. And the devil says, yeah, good. I'm going to go a little bit more deeper in your spirit. I'm going to gain a little bit more control of you. So now your struggle to come out of this hole you're in is going to be that much <laughs> what a night. He will not would operate without the cooperation of the believer. Under these circumstances, evil power inevitably will attempt to exploit the situation. Before a Christian becomes spiritual, he is not confronted by this danger of contacting the satanic power. But once he becomes spiritual, the wicked one naturally will assault his inner man. The fleshly Christian never experiences this passivity of the spirit. The spiritual alone encounters the hazard of developing an errant spirit. Due to his misconception of the destruction of the flesh, a child of God may allow his inner man to sink into an earth state. This affords the evil one a chance to stimulate the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Due, his, due to his misconception of the destruction of the flesh, a child of God may allow his inner man to sink into an inert spirit. This affords the evil one a chance to stimulate the Holy Spirit. If the believer forgets that the enemy may influence his spirit as much as the Holy Spirit can, he unwittingly may accept every movement in his spirit to be from the Holy Spirit and thereby see ground to Satan for pursuing his aim of destroying the moral, mental, physical well-being of the saint and making him suffer insufferable pains. <clears throat> one more time. Due to his misconception of destruction of the flesh, a child of God may allow any man to sink into an earnest state. Well, his misconception of the destruction of the flesh. A lot of times that's me putting stuff down instead of allowing your spirit to rise up. This allows the evil one a chance to stimulate the Holy Spirit. If the believer forgets that the enemy may influence his spirit as much as the Holy Spirit can, he unwittingly may accept every movement in his spirit to be from the Holy Spirit and thereby see ground to Satan for pursuing his aim of destroying the moral, mental, and physical well-being of the saints. So in other words, remember he's breaking down what's the difference between something supernatural and something spiritual. Where is it coming from? Is it coming from within? If it's coming from within, then it's from God. If it's coming from without, then it's from Satan. 
If anything is coming, whatever you're going on, if it contradicts the word of God, then it's not of God. His Bible will be always that one thing which will help. What does it say? That the the word of God is that which separates spirit from the soul. So, again, his word is his, again, his word, again, his word is the only thing that can separate spirit from soul. So if you begin to activate that word, it will begin to show you this is not of me, this is of you. But, again, you have to do this over and over and over again. If you've been walking in one aspect of your life for 40 years, now you think you're going in four days just, oh, I'm totally a spiritual being. and I No, it don't happen like that. But his word will cut you and show you that is not of me. But see, what happens when it happens, that's when we get offended. That's when we get mad. You don't need to tell me that. I know what, okay. That's when we, you know, I'm not calling back into this line no more. Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> he get on my nerves. You know what he just said about me? Do he know who I am? He don't know my struggles. He don't know my pain. I'm done. That's the lesson for the day. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yes, I did. Questions, comments, criticism, complaints. Mm-hmm. Amen. No complaints. <laughs> good morning. How y'all doing? I'm good. And yours? As doing well. Well, you put it like this, Sam. Out of all the education that you've been through, and you already know that um, people that are highly educated think they know everything, but as they start walking the strength of their spiritual, they stumble a lot. And that is one surefire signal for them to, um, they got to get out of themselves. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time. It takes time for you to get there. It's going to take you time to get to this next level. Time it's criticism. Well, that's just different from walking in, just walking in your mind and your understanding and walking into the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And to be very honest with you, walking under the leadership of the Holy Spirit will challenge your mind. Yeah, because see what you understand the world and what it's trying to get you to understand is two different two different animals. You got brotherhood today? Yeah. I'm trying to see what time it is now. It's just 10, 13. I guess so. Well, I'm going to go make a run and I'll be back. All right. It's so funny. Anybody else got anything?
Morning. Is that Brother Richardson? I'm in Loman. Well, hello, young man. How you feeling today? A little better. Yes. You at home? You still in the hospital or what? No, I came home um, Monday night. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You getting your strength back? Oh, it's coming. Huh? It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Well, you know we're praying for you, young man, so just keep doing what you got to do. Okay, thank you. It means a lot. That'll be good. Okay. Father God, let me lift up Brother Richardson. Rombokos kirida kombrande, shirido komboske, shirido komboko, rondo kosande. You've been really slowing yourself down now in a sense of stopping, waiting upon God, hearing his voice, trusting in him. It's like that you've been doing that, but it's like now because of what's going on, it's like you're doing it even more deeper now. It's like, well, like Erica said, I hear you, Lord. Like you, you're really, the intensity has gotten more. The, the I'm making more of an effort to make sure that I'm hearing, I'm moving, I'm doing that what she wants me to do. I'm making more of an effort to make sure that I'm covered. I'm making more of an effort to make sure that I'm walking in him and not walking in me. I'm making more of an effort to make sure that I'm doing those things that I need so that I can walk in that which he's provided for me. Because it's like you know that the blessings are there, your healing is there, the things that you need are there, but I think you're also recognizing the fight. I mean, it's like it's just like everything has been turned up to another level. You're recognizing now. It's just like going from grammar school to high school, from high school to college. It's at a whole other level, and it's like now you're like, oh, this requires more of me. And and you're making that effort to move at that pace. Whereas before, again, not to say that you weren't doing, but you said, no, because the stakes are higher. And it's like you know the stakes are higher. 
and you want to make sure that you're that you're totally positioned and everything is in order. So, so just basically what I'm hearing is you just keep doing what you're doing and letting God be God, because you know that He has you. But it's like right now, it's being proven. It's being proven. And there's no other way for you to to do it but to go through what you're doing. So be encouraged, man of God. Don't stop walking. Continue to ride ride the storm out. Because you recognize that it ain't nothing but a storm. This is just another battle the guy says you need to fight. And you're fighting tooth and nail. And you're allowing God to be God. And ah, I know one strong thing which is really, really occurring with you is the fact that you ain't trying to figure this out. <laughs> Ooh, oh my God. You ain't even Lord. You know how we're getting in a mind and a why and then Lord, you you are literally making a more conscious effort to get up out of your head and get more in your spirit. And that's going to pay such a valuable dividend. Oh, my God. So what's going on? Mm, 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 mm. Because, he, because of that right there, that right there is got a direct proportion to the increase in your spirit, man. That right there of you trying to. That, uh, of you not getting into you and trying to figure it out and, and the why, Lord, and Lord, how's it going? That right there by making a conscious, continuous effort to say, Lord, I'm just going to continuously turn this over to you, let you handle this. I don't even need to know why. I'm trusting you for the provision. That right there and is, is, is putting a demand on your spirit, and you're going to have growth. You're going to have increase. Because, see, some t- oh, my God, I'm about to be all up in your Kool-Aid right now. Because mm. mm, mm, mm. sometimes you just break out crying. Mm. Sometimes you just you just wake up and just feel the presence of God on you. Oh, shut it up, old Sometimes you just, you just, you just, and you just, you just, the why that comes not why what happened, but the why, Lord, is I just, I'm feeling like I just want to praise your name. Why am I feeling like I just want to give you the go? Why am I all of a sudden, I was just, just all of a sudden just came upon me just to say thank you, hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Ooh, Father God. Yes, yes. And that spirit, man, when you start, because I know you you get to a point that you just begin to go and turn, that's going to begin to increase even more because, see, that's going to be the only way that you can totally express that which God needs you to express. It's just for you to go into that holy language that he has given to you to speak that exact thing that he needs to be said. Man of God, woo Jesus! When you get done with this little this little trial of tribulation right now that you're dealing with, mm, mm, mm. 
you come this, come on the other side of through. Wow. That's all I can say is wow. So be encouraged. Don't you stop. Continue to press on and finish the course that is set before you. God be the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Amen. You can do me next. All right, Nana. Let me change phones. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, I am, sir. Alright, Holy Spirit, let me pray for you now. Yara Gomboskele de Gombrane de Gosechi de Gorane de Gohoron de Gosendi de Gondirigande de Gondirigande de Gondroskele de Gomboskele de Ganda. Hande de Gosechi de Gorane de Gosechi de Gosechi de Gosaragadaka. Horombeskele de Gosechi de Gosechi de Gosechi de Gosarande de Gondirigande Oskele de Gomboskele de Gandraka. Horashiri de Gosechi de Gorane de Gosechi de Ganda. Gomboskele de Gosechi de Gandroskele de Gombose. Handraskele de Gosandaka. Horombeskele de Gosede. Randish Kirgosa, Dashirakombras, Kirgose, Shirakandras, Kirgomba, Hanako Randi Gosishi, the Gosishi, the Gosishi, the Gosishi, Gombrandaka. Thank you, Father God. Borandi Gosishi, the Gosishi, and Randagodaka. We thank you, Holy Spirit, Yerakombos, Karakandros, Kirgose, Shirakandaka, Harambos, Kirgose, and Randagosede, Hambos, Kirgosandras, Kirgosada, Handash Kirgosadaka, Horashid, the Gosishi, the Gosishi, the Gosishi, the Gosaga. Horada Karagas Dede Gumbaka, Harandish Kirigosation Gandaka, Haraka Shirgosa Daskaraganda, Harambos Kirigosa, Sheragam Brandi Gosation Gosaga, Harabas Kirigosa, Shirgosa Daka, Homboko Shirigumbos Kirigan Ranikos and Dirgasa, Harandirigosation Gamboko, Father God, continue to strengthen her, stir her up, increase in her life, Father. Randi Gosation 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 Gosaragada. As you move, as you reveal, as you heal, and part inside of a father, those things that are needed, and part inside of a Lord, those things that are needed, Lord, and part of a side, so she can come, Father, and go forth, and walk in the fullness of who you called her to be, Lord. We give you the praise and glory. Roskarga in Jesus' holy name. I say, Amen. Amen. Well, you just talked about um, going through storms, mm-hmm. and uh, I've been getting both of them. Getting caught in literally rainstorms, <laughs> and then just going through regular storms. 
But you know something? They produce the prettiest rainbows. Talk <laughs> about rainbows. Matter of fact, not they don't come in just one. They come in multiple. Mm. Praise God. Praise the Lord, saints. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Who else want prayer? You can pray for me. Is that Pam? Yep. Get up, get some Ay, Father God, Randy the Gossetia, the Gossetia, Grand, the Grand, the Gorombo, Gorocosi, the Combo, Grand, the Gossetia, the Gossetia, Grand, the Ganda, Gossi, the Combosca, the Gandranaco, the Gassara, Comboca, Grand, the Gossetia, Father God, move in that capacity. Rambosca, <laughs> Father, we praise your name. As you move in her family, we praise your name, Father. As you keep her family, we glorify you, Lord. Now, Lord, I'm going to pray about Pam's destiny. Oko deke, anies terukumba ka deke, hani thank you for the yaka si deke terukosada, harandish kiri terukumbrande terukosada, haya sakala Jesus name I pray, man. Amen. Okay, who's next? All righty then. Pray for your tenant. I'm about to let Sandra in. Oh, my 
Okay, how are you? You're looking all nice and summery. Oh, okay. Okay. Now let Michael know that I haven't heard some of you know nothing. He didn't call me, and that he I can hear that maybe some of his car. If he spent the money, he should talk to me. Okay, that's my list. Are you still doing prayer requests? Yes, I'm still doing prayer requests. I guess I'll uh, go for it. You ready for your prayer? Yeah, what the heck? All right. Then. <laughs> All right, Lord, let me lift up Legacy Academy. Oko Rondishkan Romboko Skedera Komboski Dita Kombok Randikusi Dehe. Borandi Kuboski Dedikombosaka. The conferences, young 
Do you have a notebook for your business journals as far as your experience? Except for my business, what? I have a notebook business journal. Here, so you can... Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So as, you, as, you, as you're doing, document, write stuff down as you're learning, as you're experiencing. So it'll be your pattern and your recipe for, you know, for success. As you critique yourself and as you grow, and all the things that God has you put in your hand to, you have to be sane in order to keep notes, right? Well, I mean, but I'm just saying a difference from well, like, mm-hmm. well, like right now, like your business stuff needs to be different from your school stuff, and this is different from just uh, your school, your business, your personal. All these need, need to be different, is what I'm saying. So you missed the whole joke, but that's okay. Oh. What was it? What was the joke again? Oh, did I do you? <laughs> I said you have to be sane in order to be able to remember stuff and write it down, huh? Oh well. Yeah, well, I'm gonna leave that alone. Good luck on that. Mhm. Mhm. Good luck on that. God bless your ministry. Let me pray for you. Can I say pray for you? <laughs> oh, really now? Interesting. Well, I'll tell you what I'm about to do. I'm about to do that, whatever it is I just did. But every time I do that, it's going to stimulate something inside of me. Ready? Mm -hmm. I can't hear you if you're saying something. Hello? Can hey, you hear me? Is that you with the background noise on? The open or something? Maybe. All right. Well, I'll do it again. Boyo. Romboko. Number one, I'm doing a few more times. Number two, Yeke Sike Yamborande Kasande Yo Rande Kese Yekan Rosake Yande Yo Shandike Yo.
one more time. Hmm. 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 That's interesting. Okay, Lord. Next one. Hmm. Yaka rendeke yokoro boko rendeke yanda ronde ando rombo ha yaka. So I got you. Got you. Two more times. Then we'll move on. of those were to implant, stimulate, or empower you with something. And in one of them, I literally saw like a little man just coming to life, which represents the seed is beginning to grow into a sprout. So just allow God to be God as he will increase in your heart and your life and cause you to go forth into new dimensions. And that was the one thing he told me when I first started praying for you. Girl, please, you're about to start doing so many different things. It's ridiculous. So just run, and that's the purpose of the note, to keep you separate because you will be doing so much that the only way you will be able to keep up with yourself is to have it on paper so you can go back and refer and say, oh, this is for this, this is for that, and that's for the other. In Jesus' name I pray, man. Amen. Amen. Next, mm. let's pray next. 
Yes, sir. I'll take prayer. Ah, Brother Rod. How you doing there, young man? Man, doing good. Well, that's good to hear, good to hear, good to hear. When last time you spoke, you know, in church? Oh, about three weeks ago. Okay. All right, cool. Hmm. Okay. Borra did it, both did it, When you were speaking afterwards, did somebody come up to you and say something about, you know, how it touched them? Or was it a little different from you speaking last time than any other times you spoke? Yes, sir. Uh What did you experience? Because I know one time you told me you literally looked at somebody, you saw some (laughs) demonic entity. (laughs) So what did you experience this time that just seemed just a little bit different? Oh, like I'm still trying to get the hang of just, you know, like just not, not being comfortable, but just learning how to flow flowing the Holy Ghost. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Like okay. when you stand there where you could just look at the people and not worry about your notes and something like that, just flowing the Holy Ghost. Let me ask you something. Because now you're the, you're, you're, the praise and, you're the praise and worship minister, right? Yeah. Okay. I want to ask you, before you get ready to do your sermon, have you ever just stopped and just have private praise and worship in front of everybody? Like, like how do you mean it? Okay, because I know normally that you all have, okay, well, I'm just saying, because I know everything is a little different, but, like, normally have the choir stuff go first, right? Yes, sir. And then, like, toward the time, you'll kind of, like, come out to get ready to, um, to you know, so you'd be, like, at the tail end of the, of the music, right? Well, I'll play the keyboard or whatever, you know. Okay, so then how do you transition from the keyboard to the pulpit? Oh, well, since there's nobody else, if I sing, I have to sing and play. You see what I'm saying? Okay. So I'm saying is... (sighs) Just... I guess said in this, just begin to worship him before you minister. And understanding that, you know, worship is, is like a deeper form of praise. And just, just go in deep. And what I mean like that, okay, let me ask you this. And sometimes in your private prayer, do you pray differently in your private prayer than you do in front of other people? Yes, sir. Okay. Would you happen to go a little bit deeper in your private prayer than you would in front of other people? It sometimes it depends on the time. Depends on what's going on. Okay. Yes, sir. So this is what I want you to do next time before you you get ready to minister and you know whatever. whatever the Holy Spirit leads you, but just openly say, Lord and begin to confess and begin to say, I, I, whatever he leads you to, but to just make a difference between 
between the choir singing or whatever and then you openly worshiping. Because what I'm really trying to see is I see you openly going deep in before people in prayer, like, you know, when something, and see if it's, if it's from God, he'll take you there. And, and what do I mean by that? But and, and sometimes, like you said, sometimes, you know, when our private prayer, especially if we got a situation we're dealing with and we're just going deep, if this is really what God wants, don't block it. Because sometimes we might feel ourselves, and then we say, no, because I'm in front of No, I, I, I believe God wants you to release because, see, what's going to happen is when you go in deep because of whatever, and, you, and you're recognizing that you're in front of people, but you're just really not caring. Because a lot of times that's what stops us. We get conscious of other people looking. But you're making, I'm going to just praise my God. And you can even say, y'all going to have to excuse me right now. I feel led to praise my God. And I just want you to begin to praise him in front of everybody like they ain't even there. And then from that, then you go into your ministry. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna have an effect on you as well as everybody else. Yes, sir. Mm. Be interesting. Mm. Father God, I just want to pray about that right now. Yep, 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 yep. Cover him, Father. Cover him. Keep him, Lord. Keep him. Settle. Keep him connected. Keep him in you, Father. So he can flow in a deeper vein. And he can really flow on the prophetic giftings and the anointings that is upon his life, Lord. Continue, Father, to let him not be conscious of himself, but to be connected with you so he can just rise up and do that, what you call him to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be anxious, anxious to hear after that one. <laughs> I'm going to be anxious to hear. That's going to be interesting. Cool. Cool beans. All right, well, who's next? All right, I know Rio Costa. I know Rio's probably in her, her traffic, whatever it is they're doing, transportation, elder abuse stuff, whatever she do. Anybody else want prayer going once? Anybody else want prayer going twice? Anybody else want prayer going three times? Hmm. See what these 90 years are doing. All right, somebody pray for me so I can get out of here. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we come and lift up our brother Sam this morning, Lord God, and to give thanks and glory for, for his obedience, Lord God. 
Thank you, O God, that you have called him to the forefront to minister to us, Lord God, when thus so says you. We thank you, O Lord God, for even the visions and the words that you have placed in his heart and the mind that which have been ordained and tailored for our own specifications, Lord God, not according to what he thinks, Lord, Lord God, but what you have, the prophetic gift that you have given unto him concerning us. Lord God, we ask you to just continue to open up his, his mind, his heart. Let him see, Lord God, that which you have given to him, Lord God. Let him continue to nourish and and, and to, to, to be thankful of the giftings that you have given him, Lord God. For you have given us all talents. You have given us all gifts, Lord God. It is only you who can manifest them and grow them up, Lord God, so they can take root, Lord, and to be proven, Lord God, in the eyes of man. Father God, we ask you to cover his going, Lord God. We ask you to cover his 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 ministry, Lord God, that you have given him. Lord God, we ask you to cover his family. Cover him in every area of his life, his health, his family, Lord God, and his wealth, Lord God. Open up the doors of heaven, Lord God, and let him see your glory shine through. Bless him, cover, keep him, protect him through all days of seen and unseen. Let him be more than prosperous, Lord God, because he trusts and believes in you. We thank you for what you have done and what you're doing. And continue to develop him, Lord God, so that you will only get the praise. Not he be glorified, but you, Lord God, through the words that he speaks. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 You sounding strong, Brother Arthur. How you doing? I'm coming along. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm coming along, babe. There you go. There you go. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, I'm coming along. Okay. You take care of yourself. I'm trying. I'm trying to be obedient. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to leave you long because I'm going to say something. <laughs> it's hard. It's all I can see. It's hard, okay? <laughs> oh, shoot. All right, everybody. Uh holler yeah. y'all later. Okay, have a blessed day, everyone. All right. Thank you all for the prayers. Amen. 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 Bye-bye.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.